Hey guys, this week's podcast is a little bit special because we have a guest on. If you want to skip right to the question and answer that we normally do every week, you can check the show notes below, either on the YouTube video or in the podcast player. First, we're going to have an interview with our good friend and uh, Chinese, uh, <laughs> excellent Chinese learner, Scott Draper. Um, and that's going to be about an hour or so, a little maybe a little over an hour. And you can skip ahead to the questions if you want, but I would highly recommend listening to it. Scott's awesome, and he's, he's got a very interesting story. So we'll check that out soon. And without further ado, here's Scott Draper. Okay, welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast. Today we have our first guest of the podcast, a gentleman I actually used to do a podcast with before. Yep. Uh, and uh, it's glad to, glad to have him back. Welcome to Scott Draper. Dream Team is back. <laughs> You're being pushed out, mate. <laughs> I'm a third wheel now. Damn. Yeah, but Scott Scott was um, you know, longtime friend of both of ours and uh was. He, wait, was yeah, <laughs> yeah Scott was a longtime friend of hey, both. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> today is his eulogy and uh, no. Um, but uh yeah, so we wanted to bring Scott on because Scott has always been an inspiration to us, I would say, because yeah, really yeah. when it comes down to it, you've, you started learning Chinese earlier than we did. And you're, you learn Chinese more eclectically and naturally through your environment than anybody I've ever met. And, uh, it's really inspiring. So like we wanted to bring you on the podcast mostly just to talk about what Chinese learning has done for you. And, you know, we can get into the details and stuff, but, uh, just, um, could you maybe first just say a little bit about your background, how you came to China and you know, decide to learn Chinese. Okay. Uh, that was seven years ago now. I don't know if you can, yeah. this microphone's working right. Seven years ago now, which is kind of scary. Right. Um, I think we've been in China about the same time, is it? It's almost six years for me. Yeah, you've yeah, been, around, been... Around eight, yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. So it's it's been a hell of a journey, actually. It's scary when you think about the actual yeah. time that it's <laughs> uh, consumed. But you know what? It's only scary as a number. It's not scary by... The recollections, the memories, the, the the progress, the change, the development at all. Yeah. Um, when I came though, I came with one very clear mindset regarding Chinese, mm. which was that it was a physical impossibility for me as a white <laughs> yeah. guy, yeah. a European or Caucasian, to grasp the language. You know, yeah, we yeah. we do ABC, we're a Latin-based language. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd learned Portuguese in Brazil before I came here, um, and I thought that was fine because that makes sense. But to come to China and learn in, you know, hieroglyphics, basically, yeah. was just an impossibility. So I came with genuinely zero expectation. Um, and that for me was a great thing, because when I went to Brazil, I went with a kind of like a, you know, I must learn. Like, language, yeah, like yeah. a pressure in myself that, you know, of, you, of course, you're going to do it because you're in a, you know, a, a Latin based language country and you should communicate with them you know mm. but when i came to china i just had zero fear i was so relaxed it was really really quite interesting um because as far as i was concerned it was black and white impossible yeah not yeah. a hard challenge it was black mm. and white pure impossible so i didn't mm. care i wasn't right. missing out on anything because well you can't do the impossible it's like you know crying every day because you can't fly you just wouldn't <laughs> would you because you can't you're never going to be able to fly right right um yeah, so you relaxed it relaxed you in a way I just I yeah. had zero expectation, zero fear, zero pressure. Um, and so I just came and just slipped into society. I came as an English teacher. I worked in a great big school, uh, which was perfect because it was just a, a public school. And it was kind of like a, like a mini society, mm. you know, because you have the dean, you know, the headmistress, and then you have the two kind of uh, deputy heads, and then you have several layers, department heads, blah, blah, blah. Then you have the kids, and then you also have the families. 
And so it literally is like a whole mini encompassed kind of place. And because I couldn't speak a single word of Chinese, I couldn't say hello, I couldn't count to one. I couldn't, <laughs> you know, if you said xiexie to me, I would, just wouldn't understand what the hell you were babbling on about. Mm. Mm. Um, but that was okay because I was the English teacher. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had this kind of microcosm. You weren't even in the hierarchy. No, I was, I, I was <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, but it was great actually because they, you know, you, Chinese people are wonderful and you know this, like you just show them in some enthusiasm mm -hmm. and regardless of your actual ability to communicate with them like a human being or not like an alien, they just, they take it on board. Like mm. they're so welcoming and so friendly and so encouraging and so, mm. you know, just, just smiles. And even though you, you know, you come to me and say, hey, let's go for dinner or let's come and enjoy something outside on the weekend, we'll drive with my family. I don't understand a single word that you said, but you did it with such a beautiful smile and such enthusiasm, I just say yes. Mm. So yeah, I get yeah. in the car on a Saturday morning with my colleagues and co-workers and I'd go to some place, I had no idea where it was and eat some things, I didn't know what they were. And they'd just be making noise in my ear. And it was all gobbledygook, but it was friendly gobbledygook. Mm -hmm. And mm. so I just kind of relaxed into the whole fact that I'm never gonna understand it and that's cool, but we can still just pretend like we're <laughs> body, body language can go a long way as well. Massively, massively. Yeah. Yeah. So um, did you start to have things where you kind of realized, oh, I've actually picked up on some words and you know, picked up on various things that people are saying consistently? Uh, not for a long time. The first thing that happened uh, where I sort of started to get it, and it was it was just a case of repetition. So every single day, as, as you know, in China, especially in the southern half of China, people eat lunch at 12 o'clock, zero, zero. Like yeah. if it's 12.01, <laughs> you're late. Like you're, you're in a rush to catch up because it is it's 12 o'clock, zero, zero. Yeah, it's yeah. on the dot. And when you live in the most populated country in the world, it's kind of a scary thing. You think like, what is it? Like 20% of the world's population in this one country. That's and you think lot. they all go stop at 12 o'clock. Well, it's different than North, but let's say it's, you know, one half of this country, let's call that 10% of the world's population all eat at the same time. It's just madness, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, every single day, 12 o'clock on the nose, the teacher would come into my office and she would say, it's a fan, it's a fan. Yeah. And I this sound, <laughs> which probably these guys will understand, yeah. I just sort of, with the association as you do the bowl and the chopsticks kind of motion, mm -hmm. I just kind of got that that meant it's lunchtime. Right, right. And so every day, 12 o'clock, on the nose, repetition. Anyway, this went on for the right. four months. So you didn't even have there. a translation of like, that means like eat a meal. You were like, just lunchtime. And, you that's, know, that's, that's, yeah. that, but with emotion, like it was very clear what she meant um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or sure. what they meant. Anyway, it took a lot. So I, I got that that was eat anyway mm -hmm. so the environment i was in the office was six people six desks six teachers one of which was mine and i was the only foreigner in there the only person that didn't speak chinese so mm -hmm. they just didn't speak to me you know so what the, oh, i'd realized long 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 afterwards so they just speak their their native language and at the time i couldn't say hello i couldn't count to three i couldn't order a beer i couldn't do anything and so what i was listening to was real chinese because they're real chinese people but what i didn't know is that they were speaking a local dialect mm. because they're all from Sichuan province. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so what I sort of was, you know, passing past my ears on a sort of, you know, the bits that kind of, you know, past your ears more than once where you're actually concentrating. I didn't realize that what I was accidentally learning and the flavor of Chinese that I was learning was a completely non-standard local dialect, mm. Sichuanese. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so did you think you were hearing Mandarin at the time? Like if, if somebody I, asked you, like, what yeah, I, thought I guess was, I'm hearing Mandarin. What, yeah. So yeah. what I thought was this is Chinese. Oh, right, right, sure, sure. I didn't differentiate, differentiate mm. Mandarin and Chinese. I just kind of thought, you know, it's like right, you right. have 
I just that's it. This is just Chinese, you know. I didn't really break it down into any level further than that. Mm. I thought Mandarin is just you know one of the names that we have mm-hmm. for Chinese in the oh, West. Oh right, right, yeah, yeah, right. Anyway, so it was great fun. Anyway, I just loved it. It was great fun. We were just you know I'd come and you know follow the motion and have lunch and work and it was really good. But you know obviously everybody had to communicate with me in English mm. towards the end of the semester. So after say three months, I'd made an effort to learn numbers just how to pronounce them with pinyin like in an alien hieroglyph kind mm. of language just on what it meant to me yeah. you know so e what that meant to me was not why i with a first tone over the top of it mm. i yeah. can't remember now it was so long ago but i've got a book it's like a dusty old thing now with my kind of initial first steps and just if i was to go back we'd all laugh at it it'd be crazy but that's <laughs> just how it that's just what it meant to me. So I sure. could re- reproduce the Sounds same like sound. Sounds like some audio mnemonics might have been involved, maybe. Like you were kind of, did you make like a sound association? Exactly that. Yeah, yeah, exactly sure. that. So you, I just wrote K-N-E-E, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, because obviously knee is mm-hmm. the easy thing I can sure. remember. And I'm just gonna, <laughs> and then you'll make a story in my head. I'm just going to knee you, yeah, you know, yeah. not me, not him, not her, but you. Right, right. And so that's how yeah. it sort of, so anyway, so it's just, just the most basic, non-systematic, useless garbage, but that worked. And yeah, it got, yeah, me, sure. got me past the line of being able to do basic numbers, get myself home, talk to some people, chat up some girls, you know, really, really, really basic, mm. you know, first kind of level stuff. Like ordering, Jesus Christ, that first semester, trying to go to a restaurant and order food was yeah. just the craziest <laughs> difficulty in the world because it's all... Well, I mean, you know, even if you've got like a couple of thousand characters under your belt, it's uh, still difficult because they all have these strange names. You know, a lot of the, the famous Thai that dishes or whatever, they uh, have a lot of these, you know, weird names and weird yeah. characters that and are very rare. Jesus, what they say is be hard, yeah. really what they produce as well. Yeah, there are like... yeah, many times where like I would, get, I would go to a, a, a menu item and I would sort of guess. I would be like, I know that there's beef in this. And I would just, cl- I would just pick it. <laughs> and it, and it turns, out, turns out there was, uh, you know, cucumber, which I really don't like cucumber. And I'd be like, oh, no. And that was one of those things where I was like, this is not this is not say Huanghua anywhere no. on. I knew no, enough no, to no, know, so I was like, ah. Or you'll get like beef tendons or beef yeah, liver. Not, 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 yeah, not the yeah, fine yeah. cuts. I just saw the steak that you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was a journey. It really was. And uh, I created a whole bunch of my own sort of safety mechanisms because I was in a fixed place of work. And every day dinner was the meal we had, one meal we had to, to, to uh, how do you say it Deal with ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So I went to this one place with the budget I had, which was pathetically small. And it had say 30 items, like one, 10 in a row, 10 in a row and 10 in a row. So three rows of 10. And the first day I picked one, it was disgusting. It was horrific. The second day I picked one, it was just disgusting. But my colleague, the one that could speak English, recommended this place because they had some really nice food. Mm. So I just decided from that day onwards, from the third day, I was like, I'm just going to start a one and go down. Mm. <laughs> and in my head, I have a system then because I couldn't remember which one I ordered the first time or the second time because it was yeah. just a random pick and point. Right, right. Um, so I went down the list. <laughs> and as a result, I, uh, I learned some dishes that I like now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and I sort of, you know, go back to like number three or number six as a safety net, you know, I never actually got down to 30 because I was just too, well, by that point, it's a month and you've sort of, you know, you've worked out different places right, also have right. flavors. Anyway, um, so for me, I didn't have any expectation on myself. No one had any expectation on me. Uh, and I was just enjoying the experience. You know, so I've just said some horrible things about disgusting flavors and stuff. But overall, the experience was hey, mate, friendly. You're allowed to well, Yeah, no, but <laughs> the experience was just unlike any I've had before. Sure. Um, you know, I lived, I went to Africa for a year. I went to Brazil for a year. Uh, sorry, half a year. And 
they were what I was expecting. You know, Africa is is how it's portrayed in the media. Um, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the beautiful. Um, Brazil is exactly what you expected. But China was nothing, yeah. nothing, nothing like I was ready for at all in terms of friendliness of people, in terms of, uh, you know, just how welcoming and warm and sympathetic and encouraging uh, and just, you know, how... Just literally, they just welcome you with open arms mm. into every circumstance. I want, I want to comment about that because I think that I agree with you. I agree with you overall, but I think that part of the reason that you had that experience is a little bit of your personality because uh. you're you're kind of you're willing to just go up to people and talk to them even mm. if you don't know their language and whatever. And I'm much more shy in those situations, and I did mm. discover it, but it took me a little bit longer because I I would be the type of person who go, but I don't speak your language, so I'm not even going to go up to you at all mm. because I you know I would convince myself not to do it at first because I'm more sort of in that area which That's isn't fair. to say that um, you're not right I think you are but I think well, sometimes you have to get through the initial barrier because when you first see Chinese people you won't necessarily it's not like on the street walking down the street you'll find a lot of like like a person well, just so, see you and just be like hey welcome to you know the, it's more like you have to get well, into sort conversation of, you say that but how many times you walk down the street and people just just literally bur- blurt out hello now at the time like obviously now we sort of look at that and sort of cringe right but um but at the time like anyway so the point being why did i say followed up from you know when i was you know i've been to god knows how many places and i've lived in so many Mm. places before Mm. i lived in china and so i had that direct step after step after step comparison at which Mm. china was the last step and so based Mm. on those comparisons i can say for sure without a doubt the most welcoming the most friendly the most encouraging the most forgiving of any place in the world. That's a good um, point. And that, Jesus Christ, if ever there was a bigger motivation in the world, I've never seen, I don't know it exists. Mm. That is just the biggest thing, especially, oh my God, with regards to learning language, because it's a thing where it's very easy to feel embarrassed when you're sort of trying something for the first time, no matter what you're doing. But yeah. with a language, of course, you're sort of like, I'm gonna get it wrong, or you know, I'm gonna be nervous. My... And because we know the pronunciation is so important here, yeah. you know, the tones and stuff, I was just, Jesus Christ, once I learned that this was the mm. thing, I was, I was cacking it. Honestly, it was terrifying because, like, that's, you know, it's not like in Spanish you can just say the pronunciation off, but mm-hmm. they get the word still. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in here, it's like, you know, you get the pronunciation slightly off, you've cursed someone's family or you've just, <laughs> you know, you've totally insulted them. And I was just like, I was thinking about that. So, I was so scared. I was thinking, of, well, I want to do a video about that, like how you can just so easily mess up a word. Like, you can actually go up to someone in Chinese and accidentally say, uh, to a waiter, you can just be like, "Excuse me, do you have a mental problem?" <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, do you have ice? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's it's so easy with one tone mistake. You know? Yeah. But don't fear, guys. It's, my it's... favorite one was, uh, you know, you can the the car company to rent the Uber of China is DD first two first tones, oh. and I just remember I, if it's two fourth tones, DD. Well. That can, that's either little brother or uh, your penis. penis. So uh, I said that on the phone one time. I was talking to this to a, a girl too. I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm waiting for my penis right now." <laughs> it's, yeah. Since it's four minutes away. <laughs> so, it's, uh, so it's a unique challenge. Yeah. No, but anyway, but this was kind of like once I'd sort of been introduced to the fact that there is this system, and because I just didn't know. Hmm. Um, uh, it was just kind of a bit of an overwhelming kind of paranoia kind of inducing thing. Mm. Um, But actually sort of, so what's beautiful and what the point is that in this system where it's, you know, so easy, it's easier than anywhere to get it wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think scientifically they say that that Chinese is the hardest language to work, to to learn in the world because we have, you know, one character has multiple pronunciations 
and the character doesn't tell you the pronunciation. You can't just read it. You have to know its pronunciation. It's not before a phonetic you... language. Yeah. The longest, um, anyway, definitely. Um, it takes the longest time for a lot. Yeah. But um, but, but as I say, mm. within that kind of that same kind of uh, starting bracket, you've then got the friendliest people in the world to help you through it. Like mm -hmm. you can learn. To, you know, if you just walk down the street, if you can learn to say ni hao. If you can say thank you, if you can count to just a basic number or have the smallest of simple sentences in your in your noodle mm. and use them, wow, they just go mad. They're like, it's amazing. They just haven't seen and that doesn't stop foreigners either. doing. It doesn't stop. Like, like so many times I talk to people and it just changes in, in sort of intensity. It goes from initially like, you know, you said a couple of words and they're like, oh, cool, you're just speaking some Chinese. But then when you get good at Chinese and you can actually really express some kind of complex ideas, it's like they admire you like mm. you can see it in their mm. eyes they're like oh you you did it because they mm. uh, the difference is you know they're like you said they're friendly but i think they think our language maybe they thought exactly what you did like foreigners can't learn our language well, they, so they, they why, of course we won't judge them for not mm. being able to speak it ah. well because it's too hard ah. and so like if you do they're almost just like wow you you did it wow you know so it's, it's kind of cool so it never really goes away and that's exactly i love that i sort of felt that shared journey it was mm. like you know like they made me feel proud of myself more than i would have naturally made myself feel proud of myself <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know because it's just like i would just be like okay so i can say hello now and they're like whoa man you can say hello like it's and it was just okay well i want to do more now because i'm loving this like this is this is exciting yeah. like you're feeding you know feeding everything that my silly little you know broken soul once in, in the world. Like. Me, yeah. <laughs> so what was the next step? So you, you, you know, you, you were struggling with it at first <clears> and then, you know, how did you get from there to where you are now? So, uh, how do I jump this bridge? Do I say well, where I'm at all, now? Where are I... you now? What do you do? What are so, you doing right now? Uh, now I work as a bilingual corporate, uh, and, uh, a corporate presenter on behalf of the biggest companies in China, the biggest government departments, hosting their international corporate events. Uh, in Chinese. In Chinese, uh, bilingual is English and Chinese. Um, so I host their events all over China, mm -hmm. in Beijing and Shanghai and Guangzhou and Shenzhen and obviously lots in Sichuan. Um, for every level of department and of government, I did one in Shanghai the other day for the world's, what is it in English, the first international export, uh, uh, international mm -hmm. import expo, sorry. And we had 19 country leaders, including Xi Jinping, Mm. We had Bill Gates, we had Jack Ma, all come down for this thing. Um, and then we had just, just just scores and scores of billionaires and all this kind of thing. Then I just came back from Dubai, where we, where we hosted in Chinese and English uh, on behalf of like Dubai royalty with Chinese billionaires and investors and property mandates and all that. Um, so every day I'm out, just basically I'm the face, the voice, the mouth of these companies, these mm. government divisions and stuff, when they need to announce something to the press, to the world, to their investors, to their fans, to their uh, customers, to their employees, they prepare an enormous show on a beautiful stage. They invite hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of people to come and enjoy the show, for example, a music festival, yeah. uh, or a tiny core group of key investors, VIP exclusive media, and you know, top just select, you know, multi-billionaire kind of investors. Mm. And they want to present something to them and leave a really good impression. Hopefully, you know, it depends on what their motive is. They might just want to have a really good time if it's a music festival or they might want them to invest billions of dollars and stuff if it's a, a corporate thing uh, or just announce a new policy if it's a government thing. And they'll choose me a lot of the time to be the voice of their message mm. uh, and present it forward and stuff like that. And if that happened one time, 
and never happened again. I'd still, it would still be a cherished memory in my heart, mm. but it would say that I didn't really do a good job. <laughs> but this is my daily work. I do this yeah, day yeah. in, you know, you guys rarely see me because I'm just all over the place. Yeah. Um, and I love it. It's the best thing in the world because- Well, you're so good at it now. It's probably I, I just early absolutely <laughs> love it because it's like, so we started off with that little point of, you know, I'd say ni hao, and they'd come back and say, wow, good job, that's really good. Now you imagine mm-hmm. I can deliver this, you know, full presentation, uh, you know, announce the the chairman, the president, the executive etc. on stage and then thank them and, you know, just literally be the master of ceremony and guide the whole process, collect any mistakes, take care of what's going on backstage and not let it spill out onto the front stage if it's yeah. bad, yeah. you know, and then wrap it up and leave a good feeling and stuff, leave people having had a good time or investing lots and lots of money. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the hardest job in the world speaking a language that isn't your language, pretty hard in your own language as well, you know, you think of TV presenters. But it's the best feeling. I can't imagine anything else in the world that would give me yeah, a sure. bigger sense Absolutely. of job Pay satisfaction. Off. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, cool. So, I mean, there's other things that you do with Chinese, but just can, from the perspective of like, that's obviously the thing where you're using Chinese to an incredibly large degree. It's your, your entire job is based on that idea. So, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, your presentation skills and your business management skills and all of that. But that's your sort of where you are now. And we saw it we, mm. before you were explaining how it's, you know, not, not even being able to say count to three or whatever. So like what point, what I'm curious about, because you can read Chinese very well as well. What point did you decide, okay, I'm going to learn characters now? So it, you, I was, like we were the, I was the opposite. I kind of, Luke also did speaking guys, first, but yeah. I was the opposite. I went, I'm going to learn characters first. And yeah, I, I remember yeah, yeah. when anyway. we met you, uh, you had a, 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 a good few hundred characters in your head, which was a good few hundred more than me. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't speak. It was so bizarre because uh, by that point, I'll get to that point. Yeah. By that point, I already had classmates when I was studying Chinese. Mm-hmm. And the only people that did that were South Koreans, Asians. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All the other Westerners, and you've probably seen this as well, would like, you know, be just blabbering away nonsense with bad grammar, but with confidence, mm-hmm. you know? And then they'd mm-hmm. learn by the teacher saying, okay, cool, you've spoken, it's got my attention, let me correct that and go forward. Whereas the Koreans, you know, and the Asian students yeah, would sit yeah. in class silently. Jesus, they would never say a word. It was really weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they just work on the book. But they'd be able to book. produce these wonderful, like they'd always get, you know, when the teacher would sort of do like, you know, pop quizzes with, you know, write the characters or the pinion and stuff, they'd always get them right. Mm. Um, so they had the theory and the Westerners kind of had the balls to to do it. And I was I was just on the Western side. Like I didn't yeah, do yeah. characters for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. I decided to start taking it more seriously. Um, uh, after the first semester. So I, I only came to China with a six month plan to stay here mm. just to get a feel. It's like a lot of people. For what China was all about. I had yeah. a plan to go to the five BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, and be in these five countries, which 10 years ago were the big thing. They were all over the news. These are the big five developing countries, nations, and you know they're, they're gonna be the future. So I wanted to go and see them. So I went to Africa, did that for a year. I went to Brazil, did that for half a year. And the plan was China, Russia, and India for half a year each. Um, but when I got to China, everything just changed. I just half a year wasn't enough. Like the, you the, saw the, which the, of the BRICS countries won. <laughs> 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 anyway, yeah. um, and so I decided, right, I want to stay in Chengdu because this is just giving me all sorts of good feelings. It's nothing like I was expecting. Mm. And I wanted to see more. I want to try more. I've got, I've got good friends now, even though I can't really understand them. The feeling is like a long-term yeah, friend, sure. like an old friend. And it was just good. So I decided I was going to stay in China, Chengdu for another six months, but not as a teacher uh as my main priority as a student go to university and Mm. learn characters for one to ten i could say the sounds like i say with stupid idiot donkey pinion Mm -hmm. um 
which worked, you know, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. it wasn't truly systemized and it yeah, wasn't yeah. official, certainly. Uh, so I decided to quit my job as a full-time teacher and go to university and start as an A1 beginner um, with Chinese. Anyway, so I got there on the first day and the teacher said, can anybody in class speak any Chinese? And I sort of put my hand up, you know, cocky, mm. cocky Westerner. And I said, I can. Anyway, I spoke a few words and the teacher just burst out laughing. <laughs> but not in a kind of like, I'm so happy that I've got a student that can speak more like, holy shit, that's terrible kind of laugh. God, that was our language. <laughs> and, and, and I was just like, oh, <laughs> sink back and retreat. Oh. And again, hope school your um, kids. Hope school your kids and, uh, and she said to me something which I had no idea about, which she said, everything you've just said is correct, but it's a local dialect. Oh. oh, oh Everything right, right. you've spoken is in Sichuanese. Okay, yeah. So like right. I said just a minute ago, it's a fair, it's a fair. Right. This isn't Mandarin. This isn't standard Chinese. This is local dialect for for, for Um And so I just learned this by repetition, by hearing mm. it, and by... They say that in the local dialect in the office and everybody stands up, goes and eats rice. Yeah, yeah, and right. so I was like, okay, that means eat rice. Okay, cool, I get this. And so when I produced all of this stuff, she said, I'm really sorry, but you're gonna have to delete everything mm. and start from scratch. Oh, and oh my God, what a horrible first day. You suddenly, can't, you suddenly like... I like her again. <laughs> it was horrific, honestly. But then I learned that there is a difference. Then I learned that there is a thing called feng yen, you know, local dialects and standard Mandarin. Mm. And so from that point, I sort of started with the system. But then the commonality is the characters. So like, it's like, that's the thing you can use. I hadn't to... learned a single character by that well, point. Well, right, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah well, maybe I'd learn E. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because someone told me that yeah. it's what, maybe one, two, and three I'd learn. Yeah, yeah, sure. And probably Yen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Just, just you know, the, the basic of the basic of the basic, probably five, six characters, mm. um, which was great. And I loved that. And I was so happy. I was, I was really, I pretty cool. My mum and dad is like, I can read three Chinese characters. Look, <laughs> one, two, and you can learn it too. And it was exciting, you know, but... Again, it was just all good vibes, good vibes. Um, and so from that point, I started systemizing it. Mm. Um, for the first year, if I'm honest, I just focused on speaking and listening mm. because it was exciting, it was easier, it was more friendly, it was immediately applicable um, to communicating with the people and you know that I, I built up relationships with. And by that time, you were doing modeling, you weren't teaching English anymore, right? No, so that point, well, I just, I didn't have any work. Well, I had sort of part-time English teaching uh, in the evenings, afternoons and stuff because university was just eight till 12 in the morning. Mm -hmm. mm. Uh, and then the afternoons I teach English. Um, but what I did then, which was the best decision ever, was when I started that, sept uh, that semester on say the 1st of September, um, I decided, because I didn't have my school job, so I didn't have my school school provided house, mm -hmm. I had to find my own place. And I asked my friend uh, to find me an apartment with Chinese people, like a mm. shared apartment specifically. I could afford a house, an apartment on my own, but I specifically wanted to live in an apartment with other Chinese people. Yeah. So I went to a university, which is a very big university, and obviously surrounding areas just full of people renting apartments just to so they can have easy access to university. Mm -hmm. So we went online, she found a thing, I obviously couldn't communicate with anybody. She got us set up with a meeting. We checked it out with the kind of the sub landlord. Mm -hmm. You know, he rented out the place and then was just sharing the, the rooms. And he was just a really, really nice guy from Beijing and, and, and three or four other people. And so he got a call from a girl and he was really excited, right? Cool, you know, with this girl coming out, she wanna check the house. She brought me along and he thought, actually it turns out that I was just her friend 
it was just with her and she was looking for a house to live in. So we signed the contract in her name with her ID card and blah, blah, blah. And she transferred the money. And when I moved in, <laughs> he was just like, wait, what? <laughs> um, but anyway, he was really cool. He was happy to have like a uh, foreigner and stuff. None of them could speak any, any English at all. Pretty same as me, a few words. Um, and we just started from there. And I was living with these people with a shared kitchen and bathroom and you know the whole living room it was just i just had a bedroom to myself mm-hmm. um and we just had to find ways to communicate you know which was down to me so it was a lot of dictionary stuff word for word and kind of you know assuming the rest yeah um because that was seven years ago so we didn't have 4g and iphones and all these wonderful services that we have now so you're um, mainly learning just top down just learning in based on informational just like a situational Things. What is this? What is okay. this? Yeah. So you learn like I our s- friend Tony, who will also probably have one at some Absolutely. point. Absolutely, dude, dude, dude. Um, Tony's amazing. It was exactly that. But I remember reading because I went to the university, the same university as you two, for one semester, and then I quit. And I remember Phil using your old textbooks because he was like a year behind you. I remember your uh, textbooks were just filled with notes. Like you were clearly very studious as well at some point. Uh, when Phil joined, I'd already changed university to Sichuan right. University. When yeah, I went first, boy, it was the Sichuan Normal University. Oh, okay. So I was just there. For, so I was Sichuan Normal University for for one semester for six months. Mm. Uh, and so I do my theory in school in the daytime, you know, they just blast stuff at you, which probably about 10% of it really sort of hit the heart and went in. Mm. Um, and the rest just kind of washed over me a little bit. I teach in the afternoon and then all day, all evening, every evening, I would sit at home and just, I would write out the whole text of that lesson, all of it on a giant piece of A3 paper and stick it to the wall. And then each word I couldn't do, I would underline it in red and on a separate A3 piece of paper or, or several, write down the word and its meaning and its pinyin and one at a time. And I just, I'd stuck that on that wall. Mm. And then when, and I would do this, I just, I just loved it, honestly. Like one character at a time, everyone was just like, I've got like a gold coin in my heart. Or like, yeah, so it was sure. just, mm. and then I'd do that. And then we'd go on the next text and I'd write that on the wall. So that wall then became completely clear, mm. blocked up. So I used the whole of the other wall. So that's why and you moved on to whiteboards wall, at some point. And then that wall, <laughs> and then the ceiling. My whole world in my little space, which mm. was the only thing I technically owned as mine in, in, in the house, and um, was just completely surrounded by Chinese, not the floor. That would have been a bit silly. Um, oh, yeah, but, that would have been silly. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, my desk, every single wall, and all the, the ceiling. No, so I just lay down and, okay, flash town, cards, or, you know, I just do... Well, okay, but for me, that was that was a good way because <laughs> no, it's, it's, I had a problem where I didn't know things like, you know, the online SRS kind of services well, no, at the time. I wasn't that's aware of it. That's a lesson them. for everyone is find what suits you to a degree as well. I loved it. Yeah, it was it's not great. one way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And for me, because going from characters are an impossible hieroglyphical system, which is, will never compute with my brain, to actually, you know, doing it. I downloaded one app was really, really good, which is called Chinese Writer. And it would just, you know, you use it on your phone. It's a gamified, I think I showed you as well. It's like a gamified stroke order game, Chinese right. writer. Okay. And I used to do that religiously. It was the best best thing I ever did. And you used to get really fast because it basically, no matter what character, no matter how simple or how complex, you have to write the character in stroke order. Mm. Otherwise, you can't progress to the next yeah. stroke. The stroke order is really important. So yeah, important. Like, so. it doesn't seem it when you start because it just, as long as I make it look right, mm. then that's okay. But it doesn't because the flow is wrong, the style is wrong. Not just that it's ugly, but you can't, it doesn't work the right way. You can't see the radical, the outer bit, the inner bit, the upper bit, the lower bit. If you learn the stroke order, Chinese mm. writer, look, get this app, you get that flow and you understand why one piece, then the second piece, then the third piece. That then, one, Chinese writers, I've never heard of that, but Scritter is probably the most popular one to use, uh, like that I've heard of, in, at least. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mm-hmm. for like Chinese writing, but both, yeah, check out both of those. Oh, and it was just, it, anyway, 
the, 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 it just became alive. And this is before I'd researched anything about SRS because I just planned to be here for another six months and mm -hmm. just, you know, take away what I could. But, oh, my God, Jesus Christ, like, every day I just scooped up so much what was previously, six months before that, was impossible mm. knowledge, impossible ability, impossible uh, character kind of, you know, uh, input. I feel like there's a oh, missing piece of the story. When did you stop thinking you couldn't do it? Uh, when did I? Oh, Christ. Um, I guess, so, because I thought, when I say it was... When I say I first came and I thought it was impossible, I mean listening, speaking, reading, listening, comprehending in any sense form whatsoever because, you know, they're just speaking complete gobbledygook. Mm -hmm. um, and before I came here, I couldn't tell the look. I couldn't tell from looking at someone if what part of Asia they were from, probably, you know, certainly from China, Korea, Japan. I couldn't really tell the difference. Um, and then to hear them speak, you know, it was all just one blurb of nonsense, really. Mm -hmm. So I just sort of put it all in the same bracket and said it's all impossible. Um, and so when I started then accidentally being able to, because there was a lot of input with body language and stuff, being able to input the sounds of things and then apply my logic and then understand it, um, I st you know, slowly the barrier started breaking down for that. So actually it was because of my listening first and then because of my speaking second and then because of my reading third, and then obviously eventually if you can start to write them, wow, Jesus mm. Christ, like all barriers are gone. So underused as a learning technique oh as well. My God, it it just, it's, 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 just... it's probably better than speaking for solidifying what you already know. Mm. And it's, it's even a, a better form of output for a lot of people because you can think and take your time with mm. writing, can't you? Whereas with speaking, you can't really do that. You drive the person you're, you're talking to wow. mental. Because <laughs> yeah. like, wait a minute. Let me say it again. The perfect way. Oh, I'll say it again. No, no. Uh, that's uh, it. Uh, yeah, uh, like, so, but with writing, you can just take your time and, and put together a quality output. Yeah, so. on that point, I, yeah. writing my thesis was like one of the best things for my Chinese because it was yeah, just Yeah, like, how yeah. many thousands of characters was that? Like, I don't know, it's like 30,000 or something 30, like that. 30,000 characters, there. yeah. But whatever, that's not the point. But yeah, so like mm -hmm. getting, so you're building up this in the part of the story where you're writing the characters all the time. So what, one thing that strikes me about it that I just wanted to comment on is that you're, you're kind of a person who's naturally going to try to systemize things. I've actually always thought that about you since I've, uh, since I've known you. You've, you need to accomplish something, you'll sort of naturally systemize things. And that's kind of why we built Mandarin Blueprint because not everybody's like that. You know, not everybody wants to just come up with their own system. You know what I mean? That's interesting. Um, and I, don't, I think a lot of people, they won't do that. They won't think of it that way. They'd rather just I mean, have like, you already made the system. That's yeah, the other thing too. I, you couldn't yeah. really do that on an hour a day, what you're talking about, right? Yeah. At least with any efficiency. No, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was balls deep, honestly. I loved mm. it. But it was, I was <laughs> <laughs> but it was addictive for me, you know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. But like just the fact that you did it, you do it so naturally, I don't even think you notice it, but like just the fact that you were like, okay, well, I'm going to write everything down and I'm going to underline this and whatever. Like it's like that's sort of systematic thinking because then eventually you end up sort of filling your wall and you kind of turn it into a game and whatever. And so uh, yep. that's that's cool that you did that because that kind of it explains a lot. I, I was kind of I always wondered to some degree. I was like, is Scott just like really super smart? Is his IQ like a, like 150 <laughs> or something? Because I I was like, the, he just seems to pick this stuff up. But now I'm like getting a bit more insight into it. Like so, all those little things you were doing each day to day, mm. and it's I imagine you were doing it consistently every day for a long period of time. Yeah, and also like uh, I would. Um, when I was a kid, I used to love watching the cartoon Dragon Ball Z, right? I used mm. to love it. I don't know why. It's just, yeah, just, just big, big thing. And uh, when you come to China and you live here, you realize that, you know, the, the, the internet that you knew isn't the internet that you can use here. Now, now we have tools yeah. to uh, make things slightly more manageable. But I, I just had Chinese internet and uh, so kind of Yoku. Um, and I used to, I found that that was, the, that was on there. Mm. But it was in Japanese original audio 
but with Chinese subtitles. Ah. So, um, <laughs> because I knew, because it's old and I knew all the stories, I'd seen them all. Um, I, I knew the plot line and I knew what was going on, even though it was in Japanese. Mm-hmm. And I just read the characters, you know? So I rewatched my favorite TV show from a kid uh, and just reading the Chinese characters. And because then you sort of get, you know, kind of, the feeling, even though it's kind of it was pr- all the sounds are in Japanese, like Japanese shares 50% of the characters were Chinese anyway. So it's yeah. kind of like, you know, grammatically kind of, you know, not too far away in kind of the way they put the, um, what do you call it in English? Like the, uh, yeah, you know, emphasis. and Yeah. Okay. And so I just used to, I just. I did the same with uh, Avatar. Avatar's on Yoku as well. The, this full um, the movie. Ta- Taiwanese. No, no, God, no. The TV show, the animation, the original animation. It's like this beautiful, amazing story. I didn't know there was a Don't TV tell me show. Just, okay, well, I'm not going to go into it. I just knew the movie. <laughs> you need to go and watch the cartoon. Right? That's, that's why it's good. Not the Cora one, the ah. original. And it's like, uh, I loved that. And I watched that again. It's got a full Chinese audio, which is even better, obviously. Mm. And the subtitles. Anyway, but uh, it's, it's brilliant when you find stuff like that for the first time. Mm. Because you start getting emotionally invested in the content. Yeah. Like looking at some textbook article. I guess mm-hmm. I never looked at it that way actually, but yeah, like because I was, um, I was I was just emotionally very happy with things. Like mm-hmm. uh, you know, like it's like you know everybody has their favorite thing they like to TV show they like to watch. Even if you've watched it before and you watch it again, it just gives mm-hmm. you a little sure. buzz and stuff. Um, I didn't really I didn't think about it that way. I was just like, okay, well I know the story, so I don't have to focus on trying to understand because I know what's going to happen each stage. Yeah. Uh, I can just sort of you know point you know pull out the characters and don't get me wrong, like I'd read a sentence, I could read one character. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if that to start with a lot of the time, or you know, I could pick up my my e my gen my you know, like <laughs> just just and it, but then slowly, like you know, I'm following this sort of series along, and you realize that you know within a let's say every sentence is ten characters, you realize you can do one, then you can two, mm-hmm. then you can do three, then you get none, and you can do four again, and yeah. it was just like you know, you you just sort of realize that it's just it's an addictive thing, and because I was living with these people, and every day uh, one of the girls would cook dinner at home. And so she'd be sort of be, you know, in the kitchen, just sort of chopping up her stuff, stir frying her this. And, you know, you could smell it. It was so, wow, it was so amazing, the smell. And we'd all sit down for dinner. So every single day at dinner time, we'd have, a, a, you know, a, a conversation. So they'd obviously be able to completely chat between themselves. And it was great because I had no pressure to join in if I didn't want to. Yes. I could just sit in the middle in my own house, in our living room, and, you know, just let this stuff go past me, go over me. Um, and sometimes, you know, there'd be a thing I sort of thought I'd get and I'd ask them about that and we'd, you know, maybe use a bit of dictionary and stuff to double check it or to, you know, give my reply and stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember fun stuff though. It's like, you know, I remember being in the toilet and there was no toilet paper and I just had a big crap and I needed some <laughs> toilet paper and I didn't know how to, what to do. because I was I didn't want to pull my kegs up and just, you know, whatever. So I had to think, how am I going to, how am I going to save this situation? Because I know where the toilet paper is. It's in the storeroom, which I can't reach to it's way you know it's the other side of the house i need some help no 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 no, mate that would have been way beyond my level like i was at the point of how do i say paper (laughs) so i i I cracked the door open just a smidge waved my hand and i just said because i knew the word for paper as in like you know like white a4 paper so i just said paper because i didn't you know because for us like you know toilet paper is a different thing but i just said that anyway so i just sort of got this response of like and i was like I just have to keep going with this paper, paper, and just had my hand there waving. And eventually what happened, I got a toilet roll, you know? It came, it came to my hand, it was amazing. And it was just like this tiny little thing, which was just like stuck with me as an absolute success story. Because what can I do? I can just, you know what I mean? I had to think for ages, how do I say paper? Because I'd only just learned that word that day, I think. Um, this is really good because I, I talk, we talk so much about input, 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 reading, reading, listening, listening, which is obviously the key. 
to the language learning. I, mm. I mean, we firmly believe that's what we've structured the entire course around. <laughs> but you still have to use the language. Mm. Uh, and often things you find out during conversation, you can also, that also counts as input, right? Stuff you learn or visual cues, <laughs> like, <laughs> <or> situational cues. <laughs> Like this, this stuff's absolutely vital for efficiently learning new words because the, again, the emotional investment in it, mm. you know, so that's, that's awesome. I think, I think your point there is, is uh, exactly right and relevant. And that's exactly what you said to me is uh, about me. Sorry, at the start is I, I just took this very emotionally right from the start, mm. not systematically. Um, and I've been very lucky that just being sincere and honest and true to myself, that has rubbed off very well with people around me. Oh, Chinese um, people are very um, all about face. Mm -hmm. And if someone is willing to come clean and say, I've made a mistake or I don't know this, mm -hmm. they'll be, they'll be I, I would say, more willing to support you because it's not very common that Chinese people would do that. Like mm -hmm. say, I've got a problem or I can't do this, you know, or I'm struggling, can you help me? So as soon as you do, it's like they, they respond so well. It's like, oh, this guy's just got given up his face. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna go, I'm gonna help this poor guy, you know? No, it's, yeah. it's quite true. And they also have a thing which I find kind of slightly weird. Is like, it's very, very, very rare that you get a Chinese guy who has ever in his whole life possibly told his mum that he loves her. Right, it's wow. A, that's a really kind of like, that one's got depth to it, which I think is slightly beyond this, this kind of uh, wow, intro to how we- I never even thought about that. But it's amazing. So, 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 so many guys, like they'll do everything action wise you know, and, and paying for her medical care or et cetera, et cetera. Do a lot more than we would often. <laughs> but won't won't break that barrier to say, I love you, mm. or to their dad and stuff like that, which we sort of go the other way, don't we? You know, so we're just so happy to be better, lay that on the be table. Better, and, actions are more important than words, but yeah, it's like weird that you would never express it. But for them, it's a big <laughs> barrier, it's a big thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. Anyway, mm. I, was, I was just loving it, you know, and the more I did, the better the feedback and the more positive feedback. Like the feedback just didn't stop. Like I think in, if you were a, I don't know, a German or something coming and you learn English, that kind of positive, like, wow, you're doing really well with your English. It wouldn't even be a fraction of, of the scale that mm -hmm. you get mm -hmm. here in China because, well, you know, we're all mixed, you know, Europe is a small place. We're all sort of, you know, in each other's pockets and we know each other's language quite well. It's kind of an expectation. But regardless of that, even if it was a good friend, mm. you know, if you were a German or wherever and you learn English, very quickly they'd be like, okay, well you, you know, you can just sort of speak English now. Whereas over here it was like, you know, each stage is kind of, it kept coming and it kept growing and it kept sort of impressing. Um, and it was just fuel for the fire. You know, that was just, you so know. That, would you say that gave you confidence enough to get into your next job, sort of, well, what would you call it? Career path or whatever, which is hosting. That was a, that was a big jump. So I'd been working uh, on stage doing sort of catwalks and stuff like that. So that came about by, for a little bit. yeah, just because China's weird and they have no standards. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, honestly, I was terrified of doing this standing between you two goons, honestly. <laughs> You're too tall, honestly. At least I have hair. So I'd been on stage and I was doing shows and uh, because backstage when you're doing your makeup rehearsal, I was the only foreign model who was having any communication with the makeup people or the choreographers and mm. that kind of thing. And one day after I've been doing it for a little while, one guy, the, the owner of the brand, who I'd worked with every year, four times a year when they do the spring, summer, winter and autumn collections. And we do the, do, you know, do the rounds. He said, you actually speak some Chinese, don't you? Like, uh, and I was like, 
you know, like always having this conversation in Chinese, like, you know, as broken as it is. He's like, could you at the end be the last guy when all the models walk out in a little train, stay back and just say one sentence to the audience? And I was like, holy shit, that's a changing responsibility. Like I just, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I can normally come to these things, you know, hungover or, you know, in some terrible condition and just walk, you know, like pretending like I'm confident and that's it. But then this guy I'd worked with, you know, mm. for four seasons, I, it was really cool. It was, it, was, it was kind of an honor to have this opportunity. Right. So I said, sure. Anyway, he gave me a thing, which I couldn't read any of. Mm. And uh, I took it home and he told me the date and I just broke it into pinyin. And it was probably all of like, I don't know, 15 words. Mm. And I wrote this thing, you know, like I made a big space on my cluttered wall with all my stuff. And that was, that was the big thing. Boom, 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 boom. And I just just drilled it into my head, like proper Chinese wrote kind of, you know, just bang, 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 bang. Mm -hmm. I, I still didn't really understand it, to be honest with you, mm -hmm. but I knew how to say it. And I asked my, asked my housemates how to pronounce it and I just sort of copied them, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so before I could understand what the meaning of it was, I could produce the sound. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just basically, that time I went on stage with just that. And I did it and got a great response, got a fantastic applause. He gave me a little hongbao, a little red envelope of money and stuff just to say extra thank you. And again, it was just more, okay, good job, well done. And then, then that that was the first one. Then a little while later, it turned into, could you do a phrase with a different brand? Mm -hmm. Thank them for coming to the viewing of the spring collection and we hope you like it. If you've got any orders to take, blah, 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 go to blah, blah, blah. And I said, that's way too much for me. Like, I couldn't, there's no way I could take it. They said, well, we can write it down for you. So I accepted it and I wrote it all in pinyin not a single character on the whole page. It was just literally, but it was on point and I did it really slow and I took Again, my time you, and I you was- You put the time in, you practiced a lot. I practiced beforehand. it, yep. And I'm sure it was still terrible. <laughs> That's something that you still do now, even with like your very high level uh, oh, hosting, you still practice Every... a lot and rehearse, 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 rehearse. Yeah, well that, so anyway, forwarding from that, it's mm. sort of gone up to where I just described. So, mm. you know, big international stage and stuff like that. Mm. But even, so for now, obviously it's in characters, but absolutely you, you'd never go on stage without looking at your script. Like no. you, I mean, you could, but more importantly is that, you know, you, you, you'll be given a, a card for your hand unless it's a really super important live broadcast TV show where you're not allowed to look at a script. Um, but if it's a corporate event, you know, you've got, you know, you've got, you might have to stand on stage, welcome everybody to the event. Mm. Obviously the name of it and stuff, you know, so you have to do the first five minutes, you, you just remember. Welcome everybody to the event on behalf of blah, blah, blah company for blah, blah, event and blah, blah, blah place. You just have to know this stuff. Uh, but generally it's plastered on the walls around you, so that's okay. Then when you get to the, the really important thing, first of all, we'd like to take a moment today to honor the most the most important guests who have joined us here today, the VIP list. In China, when you start an event, it's really boring, but you have to do it where you announce the, all of the VIPs, the biggest bosses, the biggest investors, and they will give you a list, one to maybe 120. Very often it's, it's at least 30 people, 60 normally for a government event. And you have to read 60 people's company, position, uh, and their full name. Mm. And that's hard sometimes. And, really oh my God, hard. so, it, you know, like the company itself can be like, you know, the- I mean, it, our it company's can, Chinese Jesus. name is ridiculous. Yeah. Right? <laughs> what? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, it's that's like really well, that's, that's a nice short one, you know, that's-, that's Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Like, Christ. Yeah. Now you imagine you have that, that's, I don't know what to call that, 10 characters, 15 characters. Then you have their yeah. regional de department, then their specific division, and then their job title within that, or job titles, 
because some of them have three or four <laughs> yeah. and then their name. And so for one person, it might be 60 characters and you have to do 60 of them and you cannot get a single character wrong because it's like we were saying- Massive Mienza, you know, face is gone. You, that's, that's the thing, <laughs> these people, you know, if you're reading a list of VIPs at an yeah. event where they've spent millions and millions to get them here mm. uh, and you pronounce their company wrong, their position wrong, their department wrong or their personal name wrong, Jesus Christ, you're, you're screwed. That's mm. the most sensitive thing and it's the hardest thing because these aren't words you use in daily life. These aren't mm -hmm. common phrases. These yeah. aren't especially their names because people mm. like to have, you know, poetic, you know, historically significant, uh, you know, names. Mm. Um, and you, some of these characters you only ever, ever see in people's names <laughs> because they're drawn out from history because, you know, dad was a history buff and he really liked this guy who won mm. something or did something. And you've never seen this character before. It's got like 4,000 strokes in it. Um, and you're never going to see it again. Yeah. And you have to do all of them. Mm -hmm. It's a bitch. So... You have to work out a system. You, you can't go doing this without a system. Yeah. Um, like everything though, practice makes perfect. You just get used to the flow. But what I have to do is this, they'll give me a block. Let's say for example, it's just a nice simple one. It's 25 characters long for someone's company, department, title, and name. I 100% have to, have to mark where I'm gonna pause. So, okay, company, line, I'm gonna pause there. Then department, line. Then their position, line. And then their three or Four character or two character name. Um, otherwise, you just kind of if you're on stage and you know you kind of you're in the flow. For example, there's a big gust of wind or it's pissing down with rain or you know you know that the, the live broadcast starts 8:01 and it's already 7:58 and you've still got 30 names to read. You're in a rush, like your emotion, yeah. your heart's pounding. So you have to know where to pause and where to deliver that emphasis. You know, mm. because Chinese, even though it's it's first, second, third, and fourth tone plus the kind of the silent fifth tone you still emphasize yeah. to a degree, um, say about 50% with the same degree that you do in English and Spanish and French, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to let people know the pause, you yeah. know, to emphasize the point. You still do Sentence that. Sentence intonation. It's, a, it's like a higher level pronunciation knowledge. It is. So it's not so, you know, the, the yeah, beginning absolutely. thing when you're an elementary learner is like each character just has a one, two, three, four tone, one, two, three, four tone or whatever mm -hmm. it is. But then you have to still raise that tone and lower that tone. Like Otherwise you're, you're Siri. Uh, you, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, so you need to know where to do that. And obviously within that, you know, the, the lower layer is, is which tone each character is. Mm, um, mm. If you don't systemize, you can't do it. So I still have to like, and one of my biggest fears and my biggest problems is that um, the VIP list is always subject to the biggest change. Mm. Always because someone doesn't come, changes, they do come, yeah. they send their replacement, their secretary. Their, that's always the thing that changes the most and is the also the thing that is the highest pressure and it's right at the start when everybody's there. So it's basically, hello, we'd now like to welcome, you know, every bit of pressure has lead, leading up to this exact first minute of your presentation. Mm. You know, after you've been doing an hour, you can sort of relax into it and say, oh, wasn't that a great show? And congratulations to you. And let's have a more, you know, uh, more understanding regarding, you can relax into it. But this bit is super, super, super formal. And oftentimes one minute before I'm going on stage or even less, grab my script from me, <laughs> scrub out the top guy and write something and go, right, that's the guy now. Yeah. And they've written in a panic and it's yeah. Chinese handwriting to start with, written and in a panic Chinese and stuff. And, oh my Lord. Yeah. You have to study it. Tough. You have to study it separately uh, to get like, the rules of the, the writing. And even then it's quite tough for some people. Yeah, because I mean, it's not like two people's handwriting doesn't vary between, even if you have the general principles of how people handwrite versus like, <laughs> reading typed text, mm. it's still, 
even two people will have different handwriting. Just so like, so when I get to stress, it's high stress stuff, but you've ultra you've, rewarding. Yeah, ultra, ultra, it's, ultra rewarding. Yeah. Um, what this is for me is the best thing because I'm. You say I'm a systemized guy. I kind of never ever thought that about myself ever. I'm um, saying you made it. You just started doing it. Like you just started, like. like it, I, it maybe isn't like I'm going to make a system now. I'm uh, just saying you just started doing something systematically. You just went, okay, I'm going to, you did the same thing every day, write down the article, uh, underline okay, the okay. thing. Well, that, I call that a habit. Sorry, for me, sure, a system sure. is a, yeah. Um, but anyways, for me now in this stage, what it is, is the best pressure, encouragement to continue learning Chinese mm. in the whole world because. Um, when I was a student, you know, when I was absolutely on it and totally addicted and didn't have anything else in my life, it was just, you know, all I could do. I couldn't wait to get home, to get out of work, to go and learn more stuff, to watch more TV shows in Chinese. To, I just could not get enough of it. Honestly, it was just, it was, it was just fire. It was amazing. Mm. Then obviously, you know, in the middle years when you've got other stuff, you've got work to do, you've got girls, to, you know, girlfriends to look after, you've got, you, you, you've got life, you know, mm -hmm. you still need to work out and you need to cook and clean them, whatever. Then it's sort of, you know, it's very easy for it to take a second you know, a second level in your priority list and then it goes further down. Whereas, so for me, because, you know, the feeling, I still get that buzz of success when you do a really good job, especially because, you know, there's so many people watching and so many clients and such, you know, such crazy applause sometimes. Mm. Um, and I, I really feed off that. That's that's my personal thing. I really, really love it. Um, and so for me, if I didn't have this job, which has a deadline, mm -hmm to get things done, to get it in your head, to learn new words, to learn new content. If I just said, if they gave me a script and said, learn this whenever you want, mm -hmm. you know, make sure you've got it in your head by an undisclosed date, it would yeah. take me six weeks to a year. Whereas yeah. they tell me in four hours or four days, this is, you're gonna be on live broadcast nationwide or further um, saying exactly this. I know there's an exact minute by which point I have to have this completely and mm -hmm. utterly licked. Um, and so for me, therefore, it's a driving force, which I otherwise wouldn't have naturally in me to push myself forward at the time. Yeah. So if you were, if you were, cause obviously that's, that works really well for you clearly, and you're still progressing in Chinese. Mm. Um, and we're still progressing in Chinese because of you know, this business. Mm. You know, we don't want to be trying to be like, oh, this is how you learn Chinese when our skills are getting worse. We want to keep getting better and better. Mm. So it's good for us. You know, we've got our motivations right in front mm -hmm. of us, but what would you say to say people listening that, you know, they've, they've got other things going on they've got mm. an hour or maybe a little bit more a day really if they try and they, they don't have like a, a deadline they don't have a business ah. related to chinese how would you suggest to them what would you suggest them to stay motivated <coughs> for the long term uh one thing i've done just now i've just i've just turned 32 and i've set myself three goals for the next three years and this is purely an artificial you know creation of my mind so i've got one is fitness one is spanish and the other one is first rate level standard Mandarin pronunciation, which is what you get on the national TV news broadcasters, the tightest, scriptest, hardest level of uh, national broadcasting across the whole China. So China, unlike many languages, you could actually grade how standardized, mm -hmm. how close to perfect your Mandarin is. Mm -hmm. um, so if you can get level three, you've surpassed pretty much 80% of the whole population. If you get to level two, you surpass 90 five percent of the whole chinese population who've grown up with this language if you get to level one you are just 
smashing it. You know, Nana's, uh, my fiance's uh, father, her uh, foster father is, uh, he's number one. Is he he's got like grade high, one? He's like grade one, yeah. I can't even begin to imagine how beautifully he speaks. Oh, it's, it's amazing. It's um, awesome. That's yeah, great for you, honestly. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um, it so, wants to be in our videos later as well. That'd be, be cool. Awesome. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I've never seen him actually. That'd be cool. I actually, yeah. I met an older woman one time. She was retired. Had, you know, she's, you know, she's maybe in her 70s. And yeah. I got, she was a broadcaster as well. And it was the mm. first time I got to talk to somebody that, old who spoke in a language i could understand because usually right, in sichuan yeah. they the older people don't speak mandarin and then yeah. they only speak a sichuan dialect that's even from their generation so it's not yeah, even yeah, yeah. and yeah. so you can't really understand it. and i remember i had a great time talking to her just because i was like you lived through the great leap forward and the cultural revolution what was that like and it was just really interesting cause especially because actually... we're living in sichuan and it's such a treat to yeah. hear someone like that it is yeah, yeah. It, it is oh christ not that i have oh. a problem with sichuan accent at all i think it's cool now you know but yeah. uh it's just so clear no i know it just like, it, any, it like, glimmers in your ears when you hear it doesn't yeah. it honestly so anyway, you're in the middle of a point so sorry. Yeah. um what i've done there is i've just artificially created a target a deadline mm -hmm. right um, I've got my own reasons. I want to get to 35 years, t 35 years old in three years time exactly and be free from the need to continue improving on these three folds, right? So that's my target. So at 35, I can do whatever I want, just maintain maintenance on these three mm -hmm. targets, which is my personal target. Um, create yourself a target, give yourself a deadline. For example, you guys have, you know, I think you say like you can do 80% of, uh, you know, is it the most common few thousand words in, in a matter of weeks? You guys have put that there, mm. uh, which is great. And They've only done that because other people um, have done that, and we know it's completely possible. I've seen so many people come through your your uh, your live classes when you did that, and now through your online classes. So, if unless you have a serious problem or a serious kind of you know difficulty, I'd say to anybody watching, um, set yourself a target and you know be on that point. But more importantly than that, I'd say you definitely got to kind of keep it at a point where you're not just racing through the numbers or the words or the content for the sake of finishing on time. More importantly to, you know, find your way to let it slowly sink in. Mm. Um, I noticed that another point on top of that is that Scott, um, I used to do this in a notebook, but Scott does this on whiteboards around his apartment. I don't know if you still mm, do that. Yeah. Write down your goals. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I even used to write down my goals on a daily basis, my long-term goals. And I think that's absolutely key. They've got to be smart goals, you mm. know, they've got to be specific, measurable, mm. uh, what is it, achievable, uh, realistic and timed. Um, but, you know, uh, I think that's a, like probably- You've got to know where point. you're going, you yeah, know, you, and, yeah. and only you can know why you made that point. And you don't have to explain that to anybody. But, you know, I've got my Although three targets important. for- You said you said, I have my reasons, and I just wanted to point that out there is like, you do need to know like what the higher purpose is of all of mm -hmm. it. Like in the sense that it's not, it's not something you need to necessarily think about every day, but you just need to remind yourself sometimes. Cause like, say you're a year into your goal and you're not the type of person who have this problem, but like you're a year into your three year goal. You know, it's very easy for this thought to get to creep in. Wait, what was I thinking a year ago? Why did I decide mm. that I wanted mm -hmm. to learn Spanish this well? Like, it's not, yeah, so it's you like, know what I mean? I'm learning Spanish so that in mm -hmm. three years or two years, I can mm -hmm. do and this. It, you and know, it can I always can keep go going Spain up and up. And eventually, it'll just, it'll just end up at, like, so I can be a better person or something like that. But, you know, <laughs> it's like this still, you want to do it. But then you want to articulate it down, like you were saying, into an actionable goal today. So, like, mm. you could think of it from, okay, you, you want to get amazingly good broadcaster-level Chinese. Okay, so... How does that articulate down to what you do today? And it's like, you know, we don't necessarily have to go break it down to, in this podcast, but that's what you want to, where you want to think mm -hmm. from. You want to go, okay, there's the goal. Yeah. So do I want to call somebody who's a tutor in this? Do I want to, mm -hmm. like, what's the next action step? That's, exactly, Oops, that's absolutely you know. right. And uh, sorry, once it's quick, yeah. uh, uh, with Chinese, I think a great, and any language really, a great type of goal is I want to be able to consume this type of content. 
mm-hmm. think that's a really good one. Like, for example, like what I did, I said, I want to be able to read Game of Thrones in Chinese. Mm-hmm. I want to get to that mm-hmm. level. And that gives me a really good motivation yep. to be able to tell, oh, I, I need to learn these amount of characters and this amount of words. And I did it. And I, I read Game of Thrones and it felt awesome. I was like, okay, next one. Regarding goals, like do this. I'd say if there was any one thing, like you have to have goals, but w- what kind of goals? Make a goal that will make you happy. Mm. Tickle you. You know, make make your life feel good for yourself, not for anybody else. Because the biggest dropout I saw of students in university, when I changed from Sichuan Normal University to Sichuan University, which I think, what, the number six or five in the country or something? Mm, um, something like that. Uh, we started with, what, like 100 students and eight of us graduated. Um, wow. And after... I was I crammed a four year course into a three years, but even still, even with that time, we lost we lost you know ninety two students. Um, wow, was that people didn't seem to be enjoying it for themselves. So a lot of people would come on the basis that their parents had sent them or said it, and or you know they had yeah. some other kind of it wasn't for them really, and so they just or they I would argue it, they like. don't have as much like proactive. Well, I'm like, going to figure just, this out. I was just about to say yeah. exactly that because the num- if you've ever mm. read the seven habits of highly successful people. Number one, the number one rule is people that are successful are proactive. Mm. They don't let life happen to them. They happen to life. Mm. Yeah. So like someone like the average person goes into university and let's be honest, university on, on its own, it sucks, right? Mm. For the most part, for learning yeah. a language anyway. Yeah. If you think that alone without doing the stuff you I'm were doing, go there we and did. You're going to give me Chinese, give me, you know, and then people <laughs> will, I inject think, here, like, you know, like even with USB. our course, you know, or even, you or even feedback. if you just say, I'm going to do what the teacher says, but that's all I'm going to do. I'm not yeah. going to think creatively outside no, the box. Christ, or whatever. You didn't do that. Yeah, no, you take your own way no, no, and no, no, you, no. you figure out how to apply the language in real life and a way of making a lot of money in the process. Oh, Christ, Jesus Christ. And, I think I'm the only know. student in history who's like, my student fees, I think I like, you know, I made back about 400 times what I spent on student fees only because I used the content I learned in school. Yeah, like, while right, I was yeah, learning yeah. it, honestly, it was absolutely ridiculous, honestly. But the fact just... you even learned anything in school and, and kept it in your brain is enough. Like, it's, it's, right. an, it's a success <clears throat> story in itself. But I'd say most of it, so I had a thing, and I'm sure most people can probably relate to this. I, had a, I have a big thing, and I still have this kind of thing, and I'm learning Spanish now. I've got, I'm, I'm, I'm really, you know that, and I'm working forward to that really mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this problem, which has been with me forever no matter if it was Portuguese when I was in Brazil, no matter if it was Chinese or Spanish now, um, which was the first time I came across something, particularly when it was provided by an institution, a teacher, a system, uh, you know, even something similar to what you guys do at Manor Blueprint. The first time I saw it, it didn't, like I said, you know, didn't hit my heart. Like I said, when I was in class the first time, probably about 10% of things kind of went in and, and I thought were useful. And even now, the first time I come across something, I don't take it in because I haven't seen it before, used it before. So I'm thinking, okay, well, the schools, you know, the textbooks are put out of date and, you know, we don't really talk like that anymore and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And I wouldn't let it go past me. Only when it hit me the second time did it really start to go in. And then the third time, it would definitely start to make sense. Mm. But the problem with that was that at school, you don't have the opportunity, really. They'll They'll bang off a list of 60 new words for this lesson. And, you know, you've got to find a way for each of them to hit you. It's a hard thing anyway. But if I haven't heard that or, you know, I don't have something in me which goes, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I remember that from this place, mm-hmm. that time, that person, this thing, da 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 da, da. Yeah. Okay, I'll just pass it over. That's something I heard from Luca Lampariello. He's one of my favorite um, polyglots. Yeah. And one of his rules, I believe it's him, is the rule of three. It's not quite what you're saying, but it's similar. It's once you hear a word or a phrase three times, then you know it's important. 
That's obviously if you're constantly reading and listening. Otherwise, you're not going to hear anything. Sometimes. Right, right. Anyway. Which is exactly why you need to keep reading sometimes and not just keep stop reading. every time you don't understand something. Because sometimes you don't understand something and you go, well, let me go look this up. Maybe it's, it's like, not worth looking up, right? you don't look up because A, right? It, or you're going to see it very soon after that. You know, like you're sure. going to see it again and then you see it again. But another thing about the um, what you were saying just now with the uh, um, sort of recognition of what it's connected to and what you already have, you know, oh, I don't know this. I've never seen this before in my life. So it's hard for me to connect to it. You know, you can do, you're the best example I've ever seen of somebody who goes out and figures it out from life, right? Mm. But what's cool about what we do at the Mandarin Blueprint Method is we say, you can actually manufacture that stuff because the meaning I, is independent of the, of the language. Like, so yeah. you, there's a new word that means like, um, I don't know, something to do with your photo that would be relevant to your photography business in London. The new word and your experiences of that photography business before you knew any Chinese, you can actually just quickly manufacture a little connection there, yep, right? Yep, yep. And so like, yeah, that's pretty really cool. I, I'm, not I'm not upset or ashamed of where I got to now, but I definitely regret the way that I got here. I could have got here in half the time. Mate, we both do, we all do. You guys did a lot, a lot more, uh, you know, we such did get a higher efficiency than me the because you systemized yeah. it. Right. Um, right, right, right. Same as, same as for example, Phil, you with your exercise routine, like you got to a physical state that you're really happy with, much smoother because you had a plan to go with it. Mm. I never did that. Right, right. Um, and well, you're doing we, it now. <laughs> right, no, I am for the first time ever. And I can't tell you the, the, the ridiculous increase in progress. Holy crap, honestly, like mm -hmm. what I can lift and how I can lift it and the confidence I have to do it and, you know, how yeah, I'm not like, embarrassed anymore about silly things. Because I have a plan. Track and your You're tracking your progress as well. Yeah, exactly. Completely, every day, every, everything. Your progress. Exactly. And I never, tr what I did, I never trusted the system. I never trusted the institutions, the, con the textbooks. I never trusted the online right? apps because yeah. they hadn't come across my, they hadn't bumped into my life yet. Mm. So what happened afterwards is that uh, later on when I was in a, say for example, what I used to do in school was ignore the formal stuff and just, you know, do the kind of fun, easy kind of call you kind of oral stuff, you know, that you come across all the time. Mm -hmm. And I regret that so much because when I started doing anything with any formality or any kind of significance, I needed all these formal words. I needed all these things, which no. I, which I thought I'd never seen before. But actually, mm -hmm. when I came across, when I moved house and I came across some old textbooks, which I gave to you, and I flicked back to the earliest textbooks, they were all in there. Mm -hmm. All of them were in there. I just at the time assumed or taken a decision that they were too formal and therefore unnecessary to my life. Mm -hmm and therefore just ignored them. Mm -hmm. And actually I, I completely regret that because what I should have done, uh, and I think everybody watching is so lucky because you guys have systemized what's important because you know it, because it's true, because it's truly accurate based on the real world because of real, real multi-level integrations mm -hmm. from fun drinking to hooking up to you know actually doing moving into a house or that kind of level to getting a job to presenting, et cetera. Et cetera. All levels, you guys know the, the content that you actually need for real full complete mm -hmm. life where i was only doing the kind of you know go to bars have some fun you know just kind of you know chat to my colleagues in a really light kind of way and i would ignore anything above that because mm -hmm. i yeah. just didn't see it as relevant or, to my life at the time the way i think i see i see what you're saying the way i think of it is more like we recognize that first you have to get a foundation that will apply to everything first and you can do that in like two to three two to three months with our system but then then from there you have to articulate your personal individual path i mean it doesn't mean you still don't learn characters and like we you know we're expanding our character order right now but it's like mm. eventually you reach a point where you go okay what do i want you know it's why it's That's, why the yeah. question of you know like somebody might say 
uh, who's got better Chinese of like those three people over there, right? Well, mm. that question becomes irrelevant at a certain point. Like if you're beginners, sure, you could say that guy's better than that. But eventually you reach a point where it's like, well, it doesn't matter now because it's just a matter of what's your individual path that you took and you're really good in that individual yeah. path. Well, it's I'm like sure everything. In a, meeting room, yeah. in a business meeting, Scott would be way better than either of us. And reading Game of Thrones, you'd be better. So it's like it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really matter because it's like at that point we've all Same in English taken, as well, by the way. We've all, exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like you know, I'm I'm no good at talking about chemistry. I'm in not English, fluent you know? in chemistry. English, yeah, yeah. 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 And so it's like that. Those articulations make it. And same thing with music too. It's like you know when you get to a certain proficiency. Well, really, it's the same thing of any skill. It's like when Absolutely. you get to that, that level. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, sorry, the, the, we sidetracked. But no, it's cool. No, this is fun actually. This is quite nice. And, uh, we haven't talked. I haven't talked about. I haven't gone back this Mate, far. I, and I think, explored it really. How yeah, it happened I in think a long that time. We, we we'd love to ha I have you on again and talk more in detail about like all the different levels of things that you like your career specifically and mm -hmm. how China because like, because this if we if we wanted to try and do that now this podcast would be this would be like no a no no, no sure 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 like yeah. like I would love to I mean yeah, what yeah, do you we reckon can, Phil we can every anytime you want to come back we'll, 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 well happily I've mentioned talk about this. one of the businesses there's exactly <laughs> and there's like <laughs> 12 right <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I think people would really get a lot out of hearing your story in a more detailed way so we'd love to have well, you I, back. I could bring some actual how you know as a foreigner who started from scratch started from zero without a penny of, of outside foreign investment mm. uh, built, you know. Uh, an empire. <laughs> no, but I mean, but yeah. That, that, because I'm sure that a lot of people are learning Chinese, like I came to, uh, you know, certainly a motivation for me was like, this. I could monetize this, mm. you know, mm. absolutely make some yes, money from this. Absolutely. And uh, oh, yeah. I'm sure that if people are investing and time there's, and stuff. There's so then, much, sorry, bullshit out there that's like, um, there's a lot of basically haters that are like, yeah, people people have been saying China's the next language for the like 30 years and I don't see any rich people or like people doing well or whatever. Are you kidding? Like downers, basically. Yeah. And yeah. I think that is sort of the the, the way pe a lot of people would view it is like, yeah, you can learn Chinese, but it's basically a fad. It's not actually useful uh, for like, not I'm talking, I'm not talking about becoming rich. I'm just talking about like making a living at least, you know, um, that's not say just English teaching or something that more more common. Like there's so many different things you can do with it, and I want—I really want us to delve into that. But cynical mm. fools. Mm -hmm. We've got to get, no, in, we've got to yeah. get into these questions from our, our clients and stuff. Otherwise, but, but this is going on for I, I five hours. Say, I want to say this final—I <laughs> want to say this final thing is a bit <laughs> of a capture. So, although I do want Scott to to be involved in a couple of question and answers, mm. but but I want to say this about like the story that we've been talking about so far, which is that once you reach that point mm. where you can start to become the individual you are and just do it in Chinese, really, it's one of the reasons why I think learning Chinese is something that more people who have never considered doing it should consider doing. Because suppose you're a piano player and you t you're a piano teacher, let's say. Well, there's nothing stopping you from doing that in Chinese if you get your foundation in Chinese and then guess how big your clientele just oh got. Oh my God, right? you it's make crazy. fortune, Jesus. Exactly, and that's just one thing. Like, what's your thing? Just ask yourself, what's my thing that I'm pretty good at? What, mm. Even if you don't have, maybe if you're younger and you don't have a profession yet, just think about what's your personality like? What could you, uh, what things are you attracted to in terms of interest, in terms of uh, skill? Like, what are you naturally more skillful at? And then just say, okay, why don't I do this in Chinese as well, and then just mm. make your potential opportunities go that much further. I've got up. a vision yeah. in my head, the big poster with you saying, I want you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. China wants Learn you. Chinese. <laughs> no, but there's so many reasons why it's gonna be gonna be awesome. All right, so let's um, do a couple of questions. Yep. There was a couple of questions that came in this week that I thought you might have some comments about. So mm -hmm. first, 
we have this question. This guy, uh, Daniel Leo Simpson, he, he joined the course this week and immediately had a bunch of uh, comments that he left uh, on the course. And so we're, we're happy to have him on board. And he said, wow, before hitting start course, one almost has to pause and consider for a moment the impact of this quote-unquote single step, which begins this exciting journey. Reminds me of the end of 2001 Space Odyssey. Something wonderful is going to happen. And uh, I really like this I love attitude. That. You know? He also is from a, a Lao Tzu quote. Oh yeah, um, so, yeah. Well, I can't remember the Chinese. No, I actually looked at it a few days ago, but it basically a thousand a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So right. he, I guess he's sort of like looking at the 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 sort of in awe of the sort of the 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 mountain task ahead of him mm -hmm. a little bit here. I like I like his uh, Daniel uh, Daniel Leo Simpson. I lo I love this positivity and enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. It's a hell of a lot more I had. Like I said, I came with zero. You know, mm -hmm. um, I wasn't in any way negative nor in any way positive. And that was uh, that left so much room to go upwards in excitement and you know satisfaction. Mm. Um, I'd say be careful with expecting too much too soon on this one because you know uh, because it is a long journey if you want to get to you know a really really good level. Um, but keep this with every minuscule tiny little step. If you're in a toilet and you manage to get toilet roll to wipe your ass because <laughs> you managed to say paper, and you're talking about A4 white paper here, you know, you've got an actual roll of golden glory, you know, perfectly suitable to wipe your anus with kind of paper. Like, <laughs> enjoy every tiny success, you know, because it exceeded my expectations. <laughs> Um, yeah. No, anyway, so what I did throughout this whole journey, uh, and if there Londoners. was anything to take away from that, was I, every single tiny, tiny, tiny step, I yeah. I, I, I loved it. I enjoyed it. I was proud of win. myself. You had a little um, success on, yeah, yeah exactly. winnable like, games, It really was. And it's not a thousand miles of misery. You know <laughs> no, no, I mean? no, no, like, no, 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 that's up to you yeah. to decide though. Right. It is, you know, that's totally up to you because you, you could be like, oh, I have to get to this point. If I'm not at that point, I've done that with so many things in my life. Like why, are, why don't I have the physique that I want? Why don't I have the bank account balance that I want? Why don't I have the woman that I want or the car that I want? And, you know, I would always look at, you know, people that had them up there and me be down here and I'd be like, well, why aren't I just teleporting to these things? Whereas what I did for Chinese, which is one of the first times I've ever done this was I enjoyed being a beginner and I've never done it with mm. anything and I'm now doing it with Spanish and oh my god my, my rate of acquisition is just ridiculously fast because I'm enjoying the fact that I know nothing and yes, I don't I, why exactly. should I know everything and by I, the way when you get to we've told this we've said this many times but once you get to fluency it doesn't feel any different like it, you just feel like you we're humans we get used to something amazing very quickly and it's mm. now boring life right no no no, no <laughs> it's not boring life it's just it's just life no, no, but, no, well, my, my point is that if you don't appreciate the journey it doesn't oh, matter. Like, it's not like yeah. you're suddenly, yeah. oh god, yeah. oh god, oh I'm fluent. Everything's happy. You know? That old accolade, isn't it? It's like yeah. life is a is a is life is a journey, not a destination. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly the kind of you know. It, uh, I love so, these quotes actually. I'm like through the years, you've heard you hear these when you're 10 years old, but only when you get slightly older. Uh, I'm yeah. showing my age here. You actually start to mm. see and respect them on sort of you know the true depths or your personal interpretation of it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And the one that I always want to remind people about, especially when it comes to speaking, because that's the area where I feel the least confident in myself. The whole time, I've always felt like speaking is the one that I get most self-conscious about. Mm -hmm. I get most worried. And like the the thing I always try to remind myself of, and so also to anybody listening, is just try to laugh 
you know, just say something silly and wrong and just go, oh, I said, what did I say? Oh, I said, uh, I thought I was saying, do you have ice? But I asked if you have a mental problem. Oops. You know, just kind of. And uh, also get drunk, guys. I mean, if you do drink, get drunk. It, it does help It massively. does help. Yeah. But Next no, it, on our it, health pages. And, <laughs> and also, it did, you know, you do eventually get just over that too. Just giving up on this podcast being family friendly. At this point. Yeah. So, uh, all right, next. All right, so. Enjoy the journey, Daniel, honestly. Um, yeah. it, it, no, honestly, it is completely life-changing. I'm doing mm-hmm. things now which I never, ever imagined I would be possible. Mm. And even, um, again, even if you weren't living in China and married to a Chinese woman, uh-huh. <laughs> you'd still get so much out of it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's see here. So next we had, this is a bit of a pronunciation question, and I bet that you'll have a, an opinion about this. So it kind of has to do with the I-N-G final in Chinese, how like when, you know, sometimes people will say, Qing. And sometimes people will say "qing." They'll kind of add that little extra. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, "qing" and "qing." Yeah. Well, that, in, if it was second tone, yeah, sure. But like the idea is, that there's a little bit of that extra sound there in the middle for some people, and more in the north, I would say. But have you ever noticed that sort of difference there? Uh, there is, and I've asked the question specifically because uh, you know, for me, there was you know, there's always sort of two. You know, you take a character, you take the pronunciation. You know, Q I N G. Um, and you know, with the second turn order, and uh, and there were two answers, two ways to pronounce it. And I was just like, well, how can what, what's the situation? Which one is right? The answer I got from uh, a very very you know kind of knowledgeable person was they're both right. Mm-hmm. It's it's just it's just acceptable. Yeah, um, yeah. For example, like when you say, um, for example, in Mandarin, we had to say the word who. What do you say? She or or. Exactly. Yeah. So, for example, like when I listen to like you know the full speeches, for example, from the Chinese Premier Xi Jinping, he will always say shui, mm. and to me, that's just not what I'm used to and not mm-hmm. what I've ever done. I've always called it shui, but you know he it's it's perfectly acceptable. So mm-hmm. it's like uh, it is just one of those situations. I'm sure you boys are way more aware of how many there are and stuff, but there's actually not that many. Um, at the moment, I'm learning Spanish, so it's like you know, here they like here's your regular verbs, and then here's all the all the millions of irregular ones. Yeah. In Chinese, we're like here's everything regular, and here's you know the odd few that are irregular. Yeah. So don't be scared of it. There's just a couple, and it's a really good point. You're like you're really tuning into some very specific details there. Mm-hmm. Um, enjoy it, whichever one suits you best, um, and find yeah. your flavor in it. You know, yeah, yeah both yeah. of those work absolutely, mm. absolutely. Uh, but just as a little thing, I like to go with the you know qing and add that little extra twang on it I, because. I like it as well. It makes it clearer between the I N. You're uh, less likely to, as a foreigner to make a mistake with that one. Right, you right. Realize. You mean tin or ting? Yeah, 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 exactly. And so, so sometimes because I N and I N G, if you use the yeah. first version, they can sometimes sound quite similar. Mm. Okay. Um, Your question. Yeah. Next. Um, so this was another question about um, tones and about how they kind of come up in more sen- uh, speech. This is also from Daniel. So he says. This is referring to uh, a review that Annie did on Simple Final A. Yeah. yeah, so he says, I don't hear fifth tone, I hear first tone, but the pitch of the first ta is a higher pitch than the second ta, which to my ears is clearly quote unquote held, i.e. the first tone, but at a lower pitch. So he's kind of making the different, he's, he's making a distinction between what we'll say is a singing tone ta versus maybe the the fifth tone if it's a bit high but shorter what, what he's referring to is uh annie where she's saying pa pa ta she's like pa mm-hmm. and pa it's still first time but the second pa mm-hmm. is slightly lower mm-hmm. uh and i just i remember answering you know, it's just a habit of way the way people speak i, I exactly yeah. that it's, there's, there's it's, no... it's one of those things that is so 
subtle that we didn't bother to include it. We knew about all, like pretty much we know about every single pronunciation thing that pretty much comes up in the entire language. I'm mm -hmm. pretty sure, right? But we there's a bunch of little mini things like that that we left out of the course on purpose because it's, oh, yeah. so, it's so so subtle. so so small. And, and, and it's one of the things really. that by the time you even bother to like are able to physically notice it, you'll be at a high, high enough level where you have a grounding and you can just accept these little things. But yeah. well, that just goes to show that Daniel's got a good ear. Seriously, I, <laughs> the only thing I'd say on this point is that generally speaking, I don't know if you guys would agree with this rule, is with regards to the fifth tone, uh, for simplicity, the way I sort of did it was treat it as just like like light breath and short. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like if you were to do like a first tone, ta. Uh, just you know, halve it and soften it by fifty percent as well. Uh, like, yeah. right, exactly. Uh, it, yeah. It's it, it's just it's such a light, you know. I don't know. It just it, it yeah, just feels soft. Is so easy to overanalyze. It's usually quite simple. It's the it's easiest really one simple. to say. It's just yeah. like just the sound. You know, basically short, light, quick. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and that that whole point that he's making there, it's like the way I think of it is, it's almost like if every single first tone in if you had like a sentence that has four four first tones in it. All of them were exactly the same pitch. It, I can see how it sound a little bit awkward. So they might have mm -hmm. a slightly lower, slightly above. But again, you don't really have to think about it too much. Just mm -hmm. you know, shadow, shadow a little bit more, and, and mimic the Chinese uh, mm. the speaker. And just be confident that anything you hear from Annie and well, hopefully us now, I'm pretty <laughs> us as well, is going to be standard Mandarin, right? Yeah. And any audio that we give you will be correct. And it, you might like, for example, we have Jerry, one of our, one of my, our good friends. He does the mail recordings of all of our content. And Annie okay. is our associate and a very good friend as well. They have amazing Mandarin, standard as standard as anything. Like, mm -hmm. Maybe it's not grade one broadcasting level, but yeah. there's about five of those people, including my fiance's dad. So, you know, it, it, it's okay. <laughs> it's always going to be fine. <laughs> if you hear slight differences, that means they're correct. And you can absorb whatever, whatever ones you like, you know, mm -hmm. as a general rule. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. All right. Next one. Simple question from Julian uh, on uh, the new vocabulary unlock section. He hmm. said, "When would you use 可是 over 但是? Any thoughts yeah, on this, yeah, uh, Scott? 可是 uh, so 可 is more positive. It's more you know affirmative uh, than 但. So for example, mm -hmm. if I was to hear the word 可是, uh, they both mean but, right? Um, but if I so because 可是 also is very yeah. easy to sort of becomes kui or you know it's mm -hmm. like an acceptable solution mm -hmm. uh whereas dan like it's like but hold the brakes here like yeah, yeah it's very sh um yeah. so it's, it's more of a kind of like you know it's like that was all great dan shi your shit um <laughs> whereas like you know that was all great you could improve a little bit right right absolutely and, and that's so it. the you exactly. know like how it would that's that's what i would see right right and see what what scott did there was he said what's what are the characters well, could. what are the other words that ca that could is in, mm. and then you can figure it out from there. And I mean, it that's one could. way. Why is such at a positive, yeah. positive yeah. word? Honestly, like, yeah, yeah. And so, and you can just use Dan by itself, but you can't say could for but. It yeah, could yeah. means something else. You know, so there's actually about five differences or six maybe that I actually I already replied to Julian. In this context, though, it's, in this, it's, but, uh, it's but. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah what's but the that is, what Scott buts. said is definitely the main difference between these two. Yeah, but Dan yeah. both can be used interchangeably. But if you want to like Dan should. Like if you want to really like sort of uh, oh, more emphatic, it's, it's more yeah, emphatic. Wow. It's 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 not necessarily negative, but it is more emphatic for sure. Yeah, sure is like softer and oftentimes, yeah, like you say, it has a positive connotation a lot of times. Mm. Okay, all right. So next one. This is pretty funny. Um, so one of our suggestions that we give to our students when they're learning a new vocabulary word is to do a quick Google search, Im image search of something that they associate with the 
word. Now it could be their association, or if they're not sure Don't with their association, without they, they, <laughs> without they, the right characters, they would sometimes search the Chinese because, for example, if you search <laughs> Dalfan versus searching breakfast, you're going to get two different results because of the difference between what Chinese people think of breakfast versus what uh, Westerners think. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> Ryan Smith on the uh, new vocabulary unlocked lesson, I believe, before Mian, he says, um, "Others might appreciate this warning." Don't use Google Image Search for your vocab card for xiamian in public. <laughs> it apparently carries the meaning of private parts in connection with the given meaning of the lower parts. So yeah, this is another, just like in English where we'll, uh, you know, we might say his his backside or we say the backside of the, the, um, the I don't know, the building, right? Mm. We can say, you can mean mm. just the lower part, but naturally you can understand why people might say, oh, that's your yeah. tactful way of saying your private parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh, be careful with that. And also, you know, it's it's absolutely, if you want to go ahead and have sort of racy or even raunchy pictures in your Anki cards, we're not going to stop you. Do, do, yeah, I mean, do, yeah. do. But really, just remember, please. a lot even of the times, like it, you're going to be reviewing <laughs> these in public, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> On your laptop, or you don't have to like, do what I used to have to do before I changed it and stop doing this, is in a corner of the cafe. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, so, yeah. No, honestly, do seriously like make it goofy, make it stupid, make it extreme, make it unforgettable. Mm. Um, you know, like when I was, you know, I, I went through, you know, building stories and stuff with each character. I like I say, I used to do it on whiteboards and stuff. And you know, I'd break the pieces up and I'd be like, I yeah. just create a stupid ass story. I didn't have anything like the system that you guys have created here. It's phenomenal. Um, I just made my own quirky stories, and they were so unforgettable that, like, you know, I'll, I'll never lose them even when I'm eighty. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and I've just had so much fun with it. Honestly, like, I've just enjoyed being silly. Like, I've allowed mm. myself, like I said, to be a beginner and be stupid um, and childish. And mm. you know what? That feels great as a grown yeah. man to allow yourself to sort of, you know, really tap into that, you know, otherwise kind of sealed down stupidity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's just forced me to learn, or just 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 spurred on so much learning and and, and so much absorption. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. All right. Some good questions, actually. Well, uh, we I I think why don't we do this is one last thing that we do with Scott, and it's more just because I think you'll enjoy this because you didn't do these mnemonic scenes to remember characters. So figure we share one (laughs) mnemonic scene, and just I'm just curious what your reaction is to how cool these people are. All right, so so to get in the zone. (laughs) This is from Ryan Smith, who's given us loads of great uh, scenes throughout the the last few weeks. So. Uh, this is character number 87, Shen, Shen Tita Shen, mm-hmm. right? So his the location is his parents parent-in-law's stoop. So the first tone, so it's going to be outside the entrance. There must be a stoop there. Stoop. And so a stoop is the, those few um, <laughs> uh, steps that lead up to like a brownstone or something like that on, in a city. You know, What's usually. a brownstone? Yeah, I'm learning. <laughs> learning. Oh, man. <laughs> just get my notepad out. <laughs> <You're gonna> get... <laughs> uh, porch, porch. Yeah. Well, it's, it's okay. specifically the steps. But anyway, so oh, uh, the actor is Sean Connery. So, you know, that makes sense. The S-H, Sean, S-H. Then we have uh, the props are... A handheld mirror, which is representative of zi, and I get that because you're going to look at yourself mm-hmm. through the handheld mirror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other part is tai, which is uh, Dexter's tai. lab from Dexter from Dexter's lab, and of course he's a genius in that uh, cartoon. Mm-hmm. So those are his two um, props. So we got Sean Connery, handheld mirror, Dexter from Dexter's lab, uh, standing on his parent-in-law's stoop outside the house. Okay, and his keyword connection, he says, is a poisoned water hole. 
Toy Story, Somebody's Poisoned the Water Hole. I guess, uh, do you guys remember that from Toy Story? Somebody's Poisoned the Yeah, it's one of Woody's phrases. Right, right, because the, the key word for this is somebody. So somebody's poisoned the water hole, and then poisoned is being made apparent by it being green with bubbles breaking on the surface. So that's his connection to the idea of somebody. It's an auditory connection, but it should work. Mm. All right, so the scene. Sean Connery notice, notices that there's a small pond, i.e. water hole, in my in-law's yard. Every time he looks over, it's getting greener uh, with more and more bubbles. But the culprit is out of sight every time he looks. Finally, he pulls out a handheld mirror while looking away and catches Dexter silently cackling while adding more poison to the water hole. <laughs> I like nice. that. Yeah, yeah. Ryan's really creative. I, I am that that because that's, that's such texture to that story. Honestly, right. such depth. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the way he's even like looking, and you, you could do a lot with camera angles in that. We we say yeah, add yeah, special yeah. effects to make yeah. it more vibrant and interesting and, and memorable. Basically, mm. yeah. One of the things you, you definitely do with that is because the camera angles are very important where you're looking in that scene. So you mm. see so Dexter the mirror. In the mirror. So it's, it's irremovable. Yeah. And again, with with Ryan, I can. He's clearly an auditory guy because for me that wouldn't be visual visual enough. I'd need to have like you know a body so like to, to represent shin right mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. you know like a like for example i recommend if you're not an auditory learner maybe someone listening go for like um a mannequin or or like those um those plastic body parts with like organs and stuff mm -hmm. that we used to use in in, in biology class or whatever yeah, it is yeah. something more visual but uh, clearly this is effective the, for him and it's gonna be effective for a lot of other people especially you want to use audio for things like somebody because somebody obviously it, that keyword is a bit abstract so if you, you don't have to use audio but it's one of the tools you can use to make an abstract clear i remember i used the song somebody that i used to know by gotcha how do i don't know how to say that guy's name yeah, but sure. you know, that song is so iconic that like i can sort of imagine that playing in the background and that'll be my little audio cue and of course that's the main word of that song mm. you know it's like a somebody that i used to know anyway so um great awesome well sorry is there well, a question or are we just no we're just uh, we're thoughts. just we're, one is, one <laughs> oh, is, oh my god pop quiz here like what color was the <laughs> <laughs> no, no. yeah it's, it's, it's we, we didn't explain <laughs> yeah. we answer questions but we also sometimes will just uh, share people's mnemonic mm -hmm. visualizations because the thing that's cool about this in it kind of plays back to your point that you said earlier about how you know there's there's a system but you have to be proactive and take do it your own way this is our system is designed so that your personality and your way of thinking is yep. like it's just peppered throughout the whole thing. We just kind of provide a structure and then it's mm. like you fill it with your own stuff. And so oh, we want I people to I get inspiration by, uh, by oh. listening to other people sometimes. So, yeah. So that was the, the idea there. Now, there's some more questions that we'll answer, but they're kind of more specific to the uh, the stuff. course. So so we'd love to have you back. And we got the basics of you today. We've got like mm. a general introduction to Scott Draper, which is awesome. So we can refer people to that if they don't know in the future. But uh, we'd love to have you back for some more specific podcast you know because you've got so much to talk about regarding mm. doing business uh, cultural differences you know it's cultural differences in business yeah. or whatever it is, it is. Yeah. business and culture we've, we've only gone into like a tenth of your story really and yeah. it's it's a really interesting one it's one that a lot of people will be interested in so well, let's let's see if any how many hate mails you get and, <laughs> and see if you invite me back but thanks for the pleasantry we'll let, we'll let you know anyway <laughs> but if you don't hear anything from us then uh yeah cool. so yeah. all right, <laughs> <laughs> well, all right thanks for coming on man thank you yeah, thanks thank for you guys Okay, so continuing on with our questions and comments that came in this week. The first one comes from Pamela Baldwin on what about the Mandarin tones? And she says, hello, my question is what if you have a first tone and third tone in a word do you think of outside the house, then the bedroom? So what she's referring to is that first tones usually take place outside of the entrance and third tones take place in the bedroom or living room. 
but they take place in those locations when you're learning an individual character, not when you're learning a two-character word. When you're learning a two-character word, it is not necessary to do a full mnemonic scene in the same way we do with the Hunza movie method. And there's a, actually a reason for this. It's not that we're you know, just too lazy to come up with a system for how to do uh, mnemonics when it comes to two-character words. It's that a two-character word has two uh, connections to characters you've already learned, but then it also has a connection to how it's used in a sentence. So there's more layers of context for an individual two-character word. So if you have, if you know the two individual characters in the word, sometimes you can tell the relationship between them, and that's enough. You just look at the relationship between the two characters, and you can say, oh, I know what the meaning is quite obviously there. Uh, and then other times, um, if you don't know the meaning from that you can see it in the context of a sentence and because you have the other words in the sentence that will help you remember so usually what we do with words is we just try to have you make a connection to the meaning of the word from your real life do a google image search and put that image into your anki card and then also if you have any other personal connections just make a quick note about it in your anki card and that usually is enough i mean it is enough i've done it many times and so is luke and so have many of our students it's unnecessary to go through the extra effort of coming up with a brand new mnemonic visualization at that point next from daniel leo simpson again he said on the how to make a movie with shirt so this is you know in the very first level he says all make a movie lessons will contain a stroke order picture script two. Oh, so he's, he's quoting what we have uh, in the actual lesson. What we say is script two. Sherlock Holmes places a giant toothpick directly in front of 10 bowling pins. And then from the other side of the room hurls a razor blade horizontally. Since the stroke order is shown above as first a horizontal, then a vertical line, shouldn't the above script be Sherlock Holmes places a giant toothpick horizontally directly in front of the 10 bowling pins and then from the other side of the room hurls a razor blade vertically and thank you. So uh, I understand why Daniel had this question in the early part of the uh, course because he hasn't gone further and seen that every individual prop has is assigned to a specific character component. So the toothpick or Gandalf staff or something that is, you know, a stick like stick like in nature is um representative of that particular vertical line character stroke it's not interchangeable with a razor blade because you could flip a razor blade to be vertical it's assigned it's it's like a a gooding fenpei it's a solid connection between that prop and that particular character component so uh the reason why Gandalf's staff is vertical, and his point is that, okay, so the first stroke in the stroke order is the horizontal line, so shouldn't that be the thing that comes up first in the scene? And uh, that's, of course, very, um, that would be very comprehensive of Daniel to think of that also, but I think it would be too restrictive. There's no particular need that you need to have the props in the scene introduced in the same order as the stroke order, and then also later, props are sometimes going to share strokes. So the stroke order in our experience is not something that needs to come into play as a part of the mnemonic scene because stroke order is kind of a separate system. And there's going to be videos about stroke order. There's about 12 stroke order rules. Uh, and we have videos about all of them throughout the course. So not too much to worry about there. So if you are thinking that, you know, it had never even occurred to me that somebody might think of it that way. But if you're thinking of it that way, don't give yourself that restriction. It's not necessary. Next, we have 
Julian Laffey on character number 193E from Make a Movie. And the keyword for this character is by means of. And so very difficult to incorporate by means of into a scene any suggestions, he says. And so there, of course, this is a very abstract character by means of. It's like it's not something that has an object. It's kind of a grammatical character for the most most of the time. And so one of the things you can do is consider that it's in the word "kui," which means can or allowed to. So means can or capable of. And so it's like, you know, can by means of, and then you put something in there. So so can I sit or, you know, is it possible by means of, you know, maybe your permission in this case to sit. So like, it's kind of abstract. And so what I thought of immediately was I said, okay, by means of what can you have something that you immediately associate with that idea? And so, uh, one thing that came to mind for me was get the information by means of torture, right? You know, so maybe you have some scene of, you know, it doesn't have to go as uh, deeply into, uh, some kind of a torturous scene, but you can maybe have a setup for it. Um, uh, you could say by means of really anything that comes to mind for you. And as long as the association is strong enough, you should be able to make your keyword connection. Once you make the keyword connection, then say, okay, uh, by means of uh, the props and actor in the scene. So that's another sort of source of insp inspiration you can have is look at the props, look at the actor, look at the set. Is there anything that you can see here that would be like, well, only by means of this umbrella or this hook or this water dropper can I make something happen in this scene or only with this particular uh, female actor in the living room or bedroom of your childhood home could this thing happen. So those are the other things you can use as possible sources of inspiration. Um, and so when you have something that abstract, like by means of, you want to try word association. You want to try looking at the props for inspiration, looking at the actor for inspiration, looking at the set for inspiration. All of these things could potentially give you a bit of a clue to move forward. And then you can even, as I said before, think about where is the character used in other words? And do you know any of those words yet? And does that can that help you as well? So you can even take a connection that comes from above. Next, we have a scene shared from Chad Wrestler on character number 64, Look. Uh, the set is his father-in-law Ed's house, and he's on the roof. This is one of the few times this happens where we'll have a scene that's on the roof because L is always uh, fifth tone. Um, now, this character can actually also sometimes be pronounced Liao, and um, that's its secondary pronunciation, so we don't teach secondary pronunciations when you first learn a character. You'll learn that later, but that uh, Liao is also a very uh, somewhat common usage of uh, but still, L is way more common than Liao, so um, we'll go with L-E, fifth tone, so it's on the roof. Now, his actor is actually Luke Neal, so that's pretty funny. He has, I think he has me for F and then Luke for uh, Luke Neal. And his props are Dr. Spock and a hockey stick, because that top little section of L sort of looks like a pointy ear, and we were like, pointy ears, you know, L's, and then we thought, oh yeah, Dr. Spock. So we made that suggestion, and then the bottom... Uh, stroke looks a bit like a stick with a bit of a, you know, uh, a little chumpy at the end that kind of looks like a hockey stick, more like a field hockey stick than a ice hockey stick, but hey, uh, still hockey stick. So Luke and Dr. Spock are on the roof of my father-in-law Ed's house. 
Luke is teaching Dr. Spock how to speak Mandarin so that he can better communicate during his mission. <laughs> Luke informs Dr. Spock, Dr. Spock that he may need to change his appearance to blend in. He then gives Dr. Spock a makeover complete with new hockey stick earrings. <laughs> love it. Love it. So the key word here is change, and that's the best way to think about le, is that le indicates that there's a change that has happened somewhere in the sentence. So brilliant. Great job, Chad. I love that one. Okay. Next, John Hay on It's a Word, one of the It's a Word lessons is probably for Juan. He says, I know that I'm trying to run before I can walk and all that, as you say. I don't need to think about your sample sentences too much for now, but just out of curiosity, how do we know that sentence two can be translated in the present perfect tense? As far as I can see, there is no indication that ni de hua, i.e. your talk, ni de hua, has finished yet. So um, the answer to this is there's a several there's several answers to this. First of all, I never think about English grammar uh, when translating a sentence. I look at the meaning and I go, well, what is that? What is this like, you know, really trying to get across? So the reason and I also don't understand English grammar. I don't understand what present perfect tense means. I don't really care to. It's just not something I find interesting how English grammar is structured. I do find Chinese grammar interesting, but that's just because I'm a nerd for Chinese. And so when I translated those sentences, I just looked at it and I said, what is the meaning that is getting across here? So I wish I had a better answer, but I did want to get across that translation is not the same thing as understanding. You know, translating something into your native language is not necessary for understanding what the sentence means. And they might seem like you would have to, but it's not, it's not definitely not the case. And actually, when you try to translate after learning a bunch of Chinese, you discover you're like, oh, geez, I'm trying to translate this thing. And I know what it means, but I can't figure out how to articulate that same thing in English. And uh, what this tells me is that there are certain structures when your language is made entirely from non-alphabetic um, sort of hieroglyphics that certain things are not going to be able to be directly translated. They're going to have to be broken down into their base meaning and then re-articulated up into the translation, which is part of the reason why I don't find translation as a career path at all interesting. I mean, I could do it because I know Chinese and English, but I find that, that process to be um, you know, just not very interesting, not very fun, and it requires this knowledge of English grammar that I don't care to have. And one of these things that's like really important, the main point I'm trying to make about this is that you don't have to think that understanding of the mechanics of grammar matters all that much for successfully becoming literate and fluent in Mandarin. You know, it's not, it's not a requirement at all. Grammar comes after fluency. You know, it's a understanding of grammar, at least the original origin of grammar as a concept. When linguists first said, hey, there's this thing called grammar, everybody was already speaking fluently. So it is obviously not necessary to learn grammar before you become fluent. Now, it can help in some ways in uh, for adults, but it's it's something that, uh, yeah, I when I looked at that sentence, I just said, this is the best way I can translate this from a position of meaning. I did not directly translate. And actually, I specifically don't directly translate because you end up making sentences that sound ridiculous. Um, because if you directly translate, it's like, 
the sentence will have a Chinese feel to it. It's what Chinglish sounds like. If you guys have ever heard Chinese people whose English is okay speak English, they have a lot of Chinese grammatical structures and it, and it doesn't sound fluent. So I, I kind of would say, rather say, what's the sort of meaning of this at its more basic level and then translate that. Okay, next we're gonna do several uh, responses to people's suggestions on set the scene, pick a prop, and casting calls, uh, which are basically the choices people are making of places to represent pinyin finals, people to represent pinyin initials, uh, the beginning of the beginning of the pinyin sounds, and then objects to represent the character components. So first we have a set the scene. So this is a uh, place to represent the pinyin finals, and this particular final is ENG. So Chad says, went with my current home where I engaged in learning the Mandarin blueprint. So engage starts with ENG, and even though it doesn't sound like ung, it's still the same spelling. And he says, after 12 sets, I know I was struggling to come up with something that I had a real connection to. I figured since our first set was one of our very first place we lived in, childhood home, that this last final could be one of the last places we lived in. And I certainly would recommend to anybody who's doing this that using your current uh, apartment or house or whatever as one of your sets is definitely useful. I mean, it's a, you're going to be very, very familiar with it, although it's amazing how familiar you can be with places that you've uh, been to before. It's, it's quite you know uh, amazing in that way. Okay, so next we have a casting call uh, for the 31 of 55 for the L. And we kind of mentioned this before. He said, this chat again, he said, since I went with Phil for F, going to have to go with Luke for L. And so there you go. So you're watching these videos. And this is a testament to just how quickly our facial recognition module works in the sense that, you know, Chad's only ever seen us on videos. So the fact that he can still then imagine us doing things in uh, a room in his mind's eye means that uh, it's just su suggestive of the fact that we're really, really good at facial recognition. Okay, next from Sydney, this is casting call for the letter N. And he says, I chose Lord Nelson for my N character. There should be lots of scope for action there. To be honest, I don't know who Lord Nelson is, but the fact that Sydney does and the fact that it gives him that kind of response, there should be lots of scope for action there, that tells me, all right, well, he has a clear connection to this character. He thinks that, oh, well, this, this actor, this person, Lord Nelson, is somebody who's dynamic. It's somebody who's going to be able to stick out in the scene. And I like that I don't know who it is because it means that Sydney's making this personal. This is a this is a system where your personality is just streamed throughout the whole uh, process. So this is great stuff. Next, we have Chad uh, picking a prop for the component that means to wrap up. And he said, I went with a python since it wraps itself around its prey. That's great. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, you know, boa constrictor was what I always heard when I was growing up, but still python as well. And uh, works well with my two actor. Jake the snake, because Ju comes up meaning sentence, uh, you know, I believe in the very same uh, set of lessons. And he says, um, Jake the snake would bring a python in the ring during his matches. So he has his actor as Jake the snake, he brings in a python, and then, so he's got a connection on two levels, to the actor, but then also to the component. All right. Next, Jim on character 101, picking a prop for button, which looks like a tree with a little... Uh, one extra stroke at the bottom. He says, prop suggestion, notebook 
from the Death Note anime. When you write a person's name in the notebook, that person dies. Whoa, geez. So the original character of this, uh, original keyword for this character is notebook. So if you're going to think of a notebook, a notebook where somebody dies, if you write their name in it, that's a pretty intense notebook. You could you could see how that could be incredible fodder for scenes uh, moving forward. So great choice there by Jim. Uh, next, Chad picking a prop for look, which kind of looks like a hatchet. We recommended a, a hatchet, but he says, having studied Shotokan Karate, this reminds me of a Kama. Well, I, it's K-A-M-A. Well, I don't know what any of that is. I know what Karate is, but I don't know Shotokan. I don't know Kama. But once again, just like Sydney's suggestion of Lord Nelson before, the fact that it means something to Chad is going to make it all the better. So I really like how what people are doing is they're finding that personal thing, that personal thing just for them. So that's awesome. All right, next, Chad on character 66, Tun, which kind of, we there's a few different things you could use for this. Um, but he says, for me, this looks just like a wheel with caliper. We use this to measure the width of a rim prior to balancing a tire. Okay, cool. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I've seen these things before. So the caliper is like, you know, so you can measure the width, uh, the width there. And the fact that it means that, and of course, tun means an inch of measurement. There's two connections to that. So I like that. Perfect. And, you know, it's one of those examples where you get a meaning that comes from the, a, a prop that derives from the way it looks, but also a prop that derives from the meaning. And that's like your, your ultimate prop. Now, finally, we have... Julian Laffey on character 194. Nay, this character originally means inside or internal. So he said, I went with cogs and gears for this one. Absolutely. In Rick and Morty, there's a there's a character named uh, Gearhead, I believe. I think his name is not actually Gearhead. Rick just calls him that. Um, but inside, you can see all his cogs and wheels moving around and even his mouth, some, some gears. So that could work out pretty well. Uh, and yeah, sure, they're normally on the inside, especially with a watch or something like that. So it's an excellent choice to represent Nate as a prop. Awesome. All right, well, that's it for this week. As a reminder, everyone, the Pronunciation Mastery course is now free. You know, just go do it. I mean, like whether or not you're a beginner or you're advanced, but you want to just improve your pronunciation, you know, if you're advanced and you already know some of the pronunciations and you're pretty confident, then skip around. That's fine too. But the main thing is that it's now free. You can check it out. Please leave us a review in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Of course, you can also uh, leave us a review on Facebook just about the course and whether or not you like it. Um, even just a star review without any particular, uh, you know, feedback in the form of a, a paragraph or whatever. That's fine. And uh, also, we're we're hoping to get some more reviews on the Udemy version of Pronunciation Mastery. We usually have Pronunciation Mastery on our own platform, but we also put it up on Udemy because, of course, they have a lot more traffic there. And so if you have taken the course and wouldn't mind heading over to udemy.com and searching for Mandarin Blueprint Pronunciation, you'll find it, and then you could leave us a, a star review. That'd be, that'd be awesome. So thanks very much, and we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.